All right, what's up, guys? Robin Slim Show. We are live. What's going on, guys? What's going on? What's up, guys? I got a lot of shit. Let me see. Let me see. I have uh, this to play right here. Robin Swimmer coming out of the closet. The prize closet, motherfuckers. Call in with your best stories on whatever topics we're talking about. And maybe we'll hook you up. Also, maybe if you lazy fucks can put your dicks down long enough to call in with a good question for one of our guests, we'll hook you up for that too. Robin Slim's prize closet. Just like us, it's full of shit. <laughs> call us, you cunts. I mean, you jerk offs. A 1609-891-8896. Yeah. Yeah, dude, guys, we got all kinds of CDs, autograph shit. Books, a uh, uh, whole bunch of shit. Dildos. And all kinds of crap. So, Prize-winning uh, dildos. Prize-winning dildos. And I got us another new sponsor this week. Oh, awesome, man. Uh, We're just rolling it in our Yeah, this is, the, uh, <laughs> this is the new spot. Robin <laughs> <laughs> Slim! two varieties, original and seafood middles. A medley of mackerel, tuna, and crunchy centers, bursting with seafood flavor. Robin Slim! Tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Cats ask for it by name. And they're going to send us 100 pounds of uh, Miamix every week. I don't know what we're going to do. That. We'll probably put it out in, like I guess, little baggies uh, with the business cards. And I did promise them that anytime Slim's talk, Slim talks, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so there's gonna be a lot of that. We could always just get the mail mixed to my landlord. She's got a lot of cats. Oh yeah, she hates me. <laughs> really? She, hates my guts. she does. She seemed all right. I she mean, she fucking I yelled know. at me last week for having a cigarette out in the yard. I wasn't even close. I was like way out, way out in the back. And she came over screaming, "You're sticking up my yard with a cigarette!" And I was on the phone with my kids, so I was like, you know. Sorry, and she kept screaming and asked. I, I guess you know where I was, so I just pointed to your door, and uh, then she went back to her house, came back screaming again. Because I think I lit up another cigarette. That's what it was. So. <laughs> yeah, she pulled me aside and she's like, "John, he's not my tenant. Uh, you know, he's he's on the phone. I can hear his conversation all the way up from my house." I was just talking to my kids. I wasn't even using uh, yeah, foul yeah, language yeah. or nothing, you know. Right. Like, so I, I don't know what the problem was. It threw me for a loop because we've had people out there smoking <clears throat> before. I used to, throw, yeah. you know, have friends over. Me, Jay, our friend Lindsay would be outside just drinking, smoking cigarettes at like nine o'clock at night. And yeah. uh, it was nothing. It was like how's school going, buddy? It was you know what you have for dinner kind of thing. It was nothing, nothing vulgar or anything like that. So I didn't get it, but I figured we could talk if anyone. Everyone has uh, stories if you want to call in. What's the phone number? 1609? 1-609-891-8896. 1-609-891-8896. If anybody's got any uh, landlord stories, I have a, good, a couple good ones. Uh, from when I was a kid growing up, we lived up north in this town called uh, Westwood. And uh, we had this landlord, uh, George was his name. He's like an old man. And he had this like oh, no. younger broad. Like, he, he was probably like 70 or something. He had this young chi younger chick living with him. Probably in her 30s. Her name was Terry. She was all uh, drugged out and everything, all oh, skinny. Jesus uh, and then she had her boyfriend living there too. Like I, I don't know if the old man was dicking her or what, bro. But this this <laughs> black dude named Woody lived there too. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if George did, but I know that Terry and Woody both had AIDS. 
And there was one day George did too. Then yeah, that's what I figured. That's what I figured, dude. They they all had AIDS. They like, were all porking her, probably. Dude, they they like come to my come to our door. Like my, I always remember my dad would answer the door with a baseball bat because they'd come to the door like looking for money for fucking drugs and shit. And um, I remember one time I heard screaming from like the front lawn. I was you know a little kid and uh. I look outside and it's it's Woody, dude. He he must have got like a stick caught in the lawnmower, and it was still running and and went to grab it and it <laughs> cut cut like his wrist and shit. And he's leaking, you know, AIDS juice, AIDS blood all over the yard, dude. Oh, no. It was crazy. I know my mom. It was my mom or dad AIDS there, and they're juice. like, Did they call the CDC. Stay inside. No, that was this is the 80s. It was like all brand new back then. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember he went to the hospital. The uh, the landlord I have now that I uh, yelled at you for cigarettes has over the years gotten on us for really stupid things. But um, yeah, one of the things they've done that has always creeped me out is one time me and my mother were pulling out, and I had this really, <laughs> I had this really narrow driveway, so it's kind of hard to get out of. So we're driving out like really slow, and I look over and the. Uh, Brought <laughs> to you by Meow Mix. <laughs> the landlord is just sitting there staring out her window, like just watching us pull out the entire time. Dude, dude, she screamed at me one time when I pulled out. Really? This was like before I even lived there. And I was like, I almost like ran over their flowers and shit. And they're like, wow. stop it! No! Dude, they're like we outside have, screaming. We had some crazy neighbors too. We had uh, these neighbors. I uh, lived in uh, New Milford, way up north too. This, this one lady, what would she do? Like, she had the basement. So she would do things like shut the water off, like when my dad was washing his motorcycle or the car, and she did all sorts of crazy shit. So uh, I remember once she accused my dad of uh, spitting, like eating a chocolate bar and spitting loogies on her laundry when I was out to drive. She was just nuts, dude. Jesus Christ. Um, is she a have, landlord or you just she, No, neighbor? she was just a neighbor. We've had some fucking shitty neighbors, too. Uh, so if anybody wants to call in, uh, Skype is working, I think. <laughs> Let me just call it to make sure. Yeah, one six zero nine eight nine one eight eight nine six. What? Uh, I do have a couple PSAs for tonight too. Oh, awesome! Love the PSAs. A lot of serious, serious stuff going on. I'm just calling the show to make sure everything's working. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Do you need uh clarity or anything? I do have Clarendon with me. I'm probably going to have to get more. I, more I, I got two two versions of the PSA. I got one, you know, that I did. It was pretty serious. And then I got a Frankie Tube Steaks version. Oh, so, all right. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's Pete's friend. He's fucking cool. That's all I know. So this is, this is the first one. <laughs> Hi, this is Rob from the Robin Slim Show. And I'd like to talk to you guys about something real serious for a change. You know, some kids have cancer. Some are born with AIDS. But what's sadder than that to me is a grown man who's never been to a barber shop for a fresh haircut. That's why I started the Trim Slim Foundation. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, we can get Slim the help he needs. Call in with your pledge right now. The phone number is 1609-891-8896. Operators are standing by. Good, right? He's gonna reach out to people. I think you guys have me convinced. I'm gonna go to a damn barber tomorrow. All right. Well, right. you still haven't heard Frankie's. Which is, All right. Uh, what is Frankie's? Let's hear Frankie Tube Steaks. He's good. He's he's a good spokesman for the show. Here comes. Yeah. Hi. This is uh, Frankie Tube Steaks. You know, some some kids have cancer. Some are born with AIDS. 
But what's sadder than that to me is a grown man who's never been to a barbershop <laughs> for a fresh haircut in his life. That's why I started the Trim Slim Foundation. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, we can get Slim the help he needs. Call in with your pledge right now, fuckers. The phone number is one 891 8896 Operators are standing by. I think Frankie Tuesdays ripped you off, man. That seems like pretty much the same PSA there. Yeah, but he's, I don't know, he's a lot more well-spoken. <laughs> he's a good man, that Frankie Tuesdays. And so is Meow Mix. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good people around. That's good. We were uh, talking to Leonardo Bustos last week, and he was telling me how like my online dating profile sucks. But Pete started doing the online dating thing, and nice. he got this girl from like New Gretna who messaged oh, him. Oh, a lot and of she's... good folks out there, good people in New Gretna. <laughs> well, she's hot. Like the profile picture she has, hot man, <coughs> really hot girl. And she, she messages. She, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but she messaged Pete, and she goes, "Hey, cute and local." It took him three days to message her back. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You want to keep them waiting, keep them on the edge of their seats. You do. I do. Do do. Oh, that's a good. No, idea. That, I was just saying you should. You should keep the suspense or whatever. Keep the suspense. The, the veil of mystery. He's saying I should have been on that. Like, yeah, I'm saying he should have just been like, "We're gonna go out." <laughs> but the, this is coming from the guy. Yeah, the guy who's a zilch in in real life and online. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> well, what was the message you sent back to her? Oh, I don't even remember, man. <laughs> I know what it was. If I can find it, I don't know. Oh, it was that song. I played him that us. Uh, I played her that Serranto song. <laughs> no, I wasn't even thinking that. I just figured it was like, where the fuck is it? I just figured it was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I will beat the fuck out of a dog. I will beat the fucking shit out of a dog. <laughs> Women Even, like you know, that. If the dog bites you, you can still fucking punch it as hard as you can in the head or fucking poke its eyes out. It's like, I fucking kill a uh, dog. <laughs> Is that what the message said? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that's good. Well, it says something like that on my profile that I'd beat the shit out of a dinosaur. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess she probably well, thought that was funny or something. <laughs> yeah. What kind of dinosaur did you beat the shit out of? Oh, I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> All kinds of di any dinosaur. T-Rex. I said any raptors. dinosaur. Any dinosaur. You take a time machine back in time and just wrestle with any dinosaur. Take a break and uh, regroup. Alright. Guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? We're just getting ready. We got a, an interview in about... Five minutes. Five minutes. Mr. Who are we talking to first? Mr. Lucario. He's a uh, the bad boy of dating. That's all it says. What, he's got like a leather jacket and sunglasses? Yeah, and... he's like the Fonz. <laughs> I'm going to ask him if, uh, good questions. Good questions. I, I just, I don't know. Does he market himself as like a pickup artist? He doesn't consider himself one. Seems like no, none of these guys do, right, Are we? Are you guys on live yet? Yeah, yeah. we're live. Wow. Same thing with Lena Arter. Lena Arter was like, I'm a... My beautiful daughter, if she wants to say hello. I don't think she does. <laughs> my beautiful wife. You're on the internet. What am I, chop liver? 
With my chopped meat over here. <laughs> it was weird with Lena Arter, too. He was like, I'm a dating counselor. Yeah. Like, you know, you're you're, you're a pickup guy. <laughs> he, he said, uh, you know, he does everything for the guys if they pay extra. I don't like so what you know, do you rocket science. I just my, my problem is my opener. My opener is always terrible. <laughs> what what's what's your opener? My my problems well, no, my just, my problems with my looks are like ugly. Chloroform? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I just I just have trouble with the initial like talking to him, you know what I mean? This is shyness. You'll get over that. It's I, I haven't gotten do over we have it. A bottle opener <laughs> I just used my lighter before I, I was gonna ask. What uh and then like Want me to get it dude? Yeah. And then like there, there's a good chance Comes in two varieties Original and seafood middles tuna and crunchy centers Bursting with seafood flavor Whatever Rocket Sam Tastes so good Cats ask for it by name Thank you. They do. You're welcome. New from the makers of Snapple. Made from the best stuff on earth. Whatever Rocket Sam! We're making in the money. <laughs> and the products. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, hi. This is uh, Frankie Tube Steaks. You know, some, some kids have cancer. Some are born with AIDS. That's but sad. what's sadder than that to me is a grown man who's never been to a barbershop <laughs> for a fresh haircut in his life. That's why I started the Trim Slim Foundation. For the price of a cup of coffee a day, we can get Slim the help he needs. Call in with your pledge right now, fuckers. The phone number <laughs> is 1-609-891-8896. Operators are standing by. <laughs> like I said, you guys finally convinced me. I'll go to the barber tomorrow and I'll get a, a real haircut. Rob's, Rob's new thing now is every time I talk, he's going to play the cat. It's not my thing. That's Meow Mix. That was in our contract. <laughs> you got to do what they want, bro. That's all I know. I got to do whatever I can to push this, push this show forward. You're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing God's work. That's what they say in the business. All right. Do we have anyone listening that we could... Call Send in. a shout out to. Call us. Uh, Light up the phone lines, people. Yeah. <laughs> With your pledges for the Trim Slim Foundation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just pennies a day. Just pennies a day. You can have slim looking trim. <laughs> Matter of fact, we will send the first caller a lock of Slim's hair. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Oh, here we got a call. Oh, we do. Robin Slim Show. Hey, what's up? It's Mr. Locario. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. How you doing, what's brother? What's going on? I'm good. How's everything? Good, good. Good. What's up? How you doing, man? Uh, we're live now with uh, Locario on the phone. So what are you, Locario? Mr. Locario. Mr. Locario. What do you do, Mr. Locario? What's going on? Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. I Thanks for coming it. on. What, That's what's up. What do you do, man? Yeah, so I mean, I'm 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 basically like I'm a dating and life coach. So I, I help men and women, you know, find what they want in their dating lives, all that good stuff. You know, that's cool. Yeah, Slim needs one of those. <laughs> Absolutely, he's a real zilch online and in real life. He he admitted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
I'm not. <laughs> oh, I just lost my train of laugh, but I'm not doing so good on <laughs> myself. Now, what makes you an expert, Mr. Lucario? Yeah, well, basically, I, I was, you know, I was like a serial dater back in the day, so I was like the one out of my group of friends that had most of the girls, so I was teaching my friends how to get girls, and then I started teaching my friends' friends how to get girls, and then it kind of like my friend, one of my friends told me to do it for real, for like a job, so then I just basically kept doing the helping guys, and then from helping guys, I started helping women, I started doing a lot of research and a lot of different things, so I've been doing it for like seven years, I got like three self-published books, um, you know, I speak at colleges and different events and stuff like that, so, you know, it's, 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 a, pretty, it's a pretty fun fun job you know what i'm saying you meet a lot of interesting people you know yeah. so you know do you associate yourself with like all those pickup artist guys like neil strauss and a uh, mystery or any of those dudes no nah, well see the, the pickup artist thing is kind of different like the pickup artist stuff basically it, it focuses just on like trying to sleep with girls you know what i'm saying and it's a lot of like you know a lot of gimmicky type of things so i, I kind of stay away from that i kind of teach guys like normal natural things that they got to do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, here, so man, what are, like, what are some kind of, like, normal, natural things that you teach? Yeah, because Slim's completely clueless. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm completely clueless, according to these guys, so, although I think I do pretty right. good, uh, but. Uh, right, right, so the, no, I mean, the, the normal things is basically, like, see, a lot of guys, like, the, the difference between the pickup artist stuff is that the pickup artist thing, they teach you how to memorize shit, they teach you how to, like, you know, you got to say this first and say this second, and I kind of just teach guys how to flow with the conversation, so a lot of the times they get, guys get scared when they're talking to a girl, so they don't really know what to say, so I'm like, you don't have to necessarily have anything pre, you know, planned to say, you just talk to her just like you're talking to your best friend, so a lot of guys, they get in their head that there's something special about a girl. You know, yeah, I think you're always going like to be nervous, too, like, you're always going to be right. a little nervous. Right, right. But you know, in the end, you get nervous because you're not used to it. So I, I kind of get guys into the, 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 the feeling of being used to it so that they have to, like, go out and make it like an everyday thing. You know, a lot of guys get scared because they make it like this special event. Like, oh, my God, there's a hot girl. I'm going to go talk to her. And they build it up to this big-ass, you know, thing when it's not really that big of a deal. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I try to get exactly. into that level. What do I do, man? <laughs> 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 You know, so that's that's what that's what I you know I help guys do that type of shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like you would consider yourself on almost like the the more respectful side of the pickup artist, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, well, the the, the thing is, it's like yeah, it's basically more just like the 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 realistic side of it. Because you know, the thing is, right, the thing right. is with pickup artists, that, like stuff. The reason why pickup artists stuff gets such a bad rap is because the marketing with pickup artists they make it seem like it's magic they're like hey say these three words and all these girls are going to be giving you head and it's like it doesn't work that way you know so when they when they say those three words and then it doesn't work they're like oh this stuff is stupid it's a scam it doesn't work and i'm like nah, it doesn't work because you're doing stuff that's not really grounded in reality so i take it to the realistic level where i'm like hey listen when you go out with me you're going to talk to a lot of girls and and half of those girls are probably not going to want to talk to you you know what I mean? Like, just get them prepared yeah. for that. You know? That's like, <laughs> what, uh, like, you'll get turned down ten times for, you know, one time the right. where, where yeah. they say yes. You think it also right. has a, it has a lot to do with, like, the individual's personality, too. Like, you can't tell a guy, you know, say this certain thing if it doesn't fit with who he actually is. Right, right. And the thing is, I try to teach guys how to be, like, really natural 
with who they are. Because a lot of times, you know, guys feel like they got to put on the front or, or be somebody else or be some other type of dude. Mm. And then what happens is, is that when you're when you're talking to these people, you're not natural. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, it's like it's not natural and stuff. So I try to, like, tell them, like, hey, listen, you know, just be yourself. Talk to girls because then you got to get used to what works for you. You know what I'm saying? What works for me might not work for you and vice versa. So that's why I teach you guys, like, you got to figure out what works for you. There's basic stuff that you can learn, but you got to go out there in real life and try it out. And then once you start doing that, you start to see certain things that work for you and certain things that don't work for you. And then the things that work for you, you do that more and then make that happen. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I try to get tap into that with, with each client I you know, work with and everything like that. So I got a little bit of a personal question for you. How many girls have you slept with? Um, I think, well, I stopped counting after like 100, but I think it's like 120-something. Mm -hmm. Wow. You ever have an STD? Golden Zipper Award. <laughs> you ever have an, uh, an STD? And you know, that, that to me is weird because some, some of the guys that, that taught me how to, you know, talk to girls and that introduced me to the game and everything, they've been with like three times of that. So I was just like, it's crazy. But, you know, after a while I started getting selective because when I, when I first lost my virginity, I was like, damn, I want to see how this feels with other women. And then I started going crazy and just was like, I was at one point I was, I was actually seeing like, I think like 11 or 12 girls at one time. Were they all like good looking or were you just like anything you can grab you were getting? No, just you know, it ain't really. It ain't even really about the looks. That's the thing that a lot of people think of. They think like you know, it's all about looks. It's really, it's really all about like how you make chicks feel. And, and a lot of dudes got they, they get a hard time understanding that. They think well, if you look good, then it's going to be easier for you to get the girls. Like girls will look at you if you're cute, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have sex with you. You got to so, at like, least a have a nice times, haircut. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of like if you're a ten, but you're a bitch, you're not really a ten. You know right, what I'm right, exactly, exactly. It seems like, you're right, if you're talking to a girl, you might see her and you might say, yeah, she looks good. And then you might still want to, you know, have sex with her, but you're not going to stay with her after that. You're going to be like, this girl sucks, she's annoying, she's, so she's not going to be able to keep a guy because her personality sucks. So the same way is the flip side for dudes. Like, you could be a really good-looking guy, and then the girl talks to you, and then now, you know, her vagina dries up because she thinks you're an idiot. And then she's not going to you know, you gotta, you gotta know how to, you know how to work it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. It's one, it's one of those things. <laughs> so, being you with a hundred, uh, you said you fucked like almost 120 girls. You ever get any STDs? Um, not, actually, I haven't. That's what I'm shocked that that never happened. But you know, with yeah. me, I was, I was, I was extremely careful with my with my stuff like I was basically like I you know I use protection 90% of the times the only times I didn't really use protection was when I was in a relationship with my girl and we kind of just like use I didn't use a condom we used birth control so I didn't really catch anything from her right, but right. it was like I, I was shocked like I thought I was going to catch something but I actually didn't and I think a lot of times when people catch stuff or they have unwanted pregnancies so they don't have any kids running around or anything it's because they're not, <laughs> yeah. they're not, they're not careful with what they're, you know, what they're doing when they're having sex yeah we, we, know? we so, know we know a dude that only banged like two chicks but he got the clap yeah, and had a baby. And had a baby, bro. And had a baby. You got to be careful out there. You got to be careful out there. <laughs> my mom, uh, back in the 80s, she, she had told me a story like that her, her brother, my uncle, he went, he went into the army. And uh, my great-grandfather at the time told him, boy, you got to use rubbers. There's a woman at, other, at every port. Use rubbers. <laughs> right, you got to. 
And you this got is like to. A, I, know, I, know, I know some guys say it doesn't feel, <laughs> doesn't feel that good, but, you know, it, it feels worse when you have an ST or if you get some friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I, you just got to work through the scabs, though, man. You just, <laughs> that'll be like lube once they open up. Uh. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, from what you were saying, you seem to like like to take guys out and have them approach girls. What do you think of like the whole online dating thing? Oh, I mean, online dating is good, but it's only good for guys if they know how to how to do it good. Because like, if you don't know how to do it, it's gonna suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and it's like the thing. The thing is, because a lot of times on online dating, women are even more picky on online than offline. Because online, women get like a lot of attention. And so their 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 ego is like inflated. They think they're hotter than they are, or, or more interesting than they really are, because they're getting all these messages from guys. Because like online, guys are a little bit more brave. You know, they're they're a little bit more brave to actually send the girl a message or try to talk online versus in person. So more women get more you know stuff online. But for a guy, if he knows how to like really you know do the little things that can help him stand out on online dating it could be it could be really good for him you know what i'm saying so because I've, I've had times i think i would say like um 10 like probably 10 to 15 percent of the girls that i've you know slept with or been with were from online but that's because i like to go more outside and talk to women but you know sometimes i just be in the house i'm chilling to go online and then like there's times i've met women within like two hours of just being on there you know, you know what i'm saying so yeah find someone from my area and then just like meet her at a coffee shop and then make something happen you know that day you know what I'm saying? Are you still like single right now, or are you like settled down? Say, say that again. Are you single right now, or are you settled down? No, I'm. I'm actually. I just got married last. The January just passed. Uh, oh, this congratulations! Year. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And um, but me. But the thing is, me and my me and my girl, we have like a sort of like an open marriage <laughs> arrangement type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So I still kind of, you know, it's good for me because then it still kind of <laughs> makes me have that opportunity to still, you know, hone my skills and, and, and then also teach other guys to hone their skills. Because the thing is, a lot of the times the dating game changes, and if you're not really in it, if you're not really doing it, if you're not really, you know, talking and, and keeping things going, it, you know, it, it, you know you don't, you're not really sharp. So I want to stay sharp so I can help other guys stay sharp. You know what I'm saying? So, so but it, it, it doesn't... Works, it works out things, so. I got you, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother you that your girls, your wife's out there fucking all these other guys? I mean, not really. I mean, it depends on it depends on the the, the situation between the two partners. Because like I have I have uh, uh, you know a friend who she her and her husband been in an open marriage for twenty years. They have three kids, and the way they do it is that they, like she has another boyfriend, he has another girlfriend. But me and my girl, we we really don't do it to that extent. So when when people talk about open relationships, and I always try to explain it to them is that the the, the actual openness of it is determined by the two people in it. So you kind of determine what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with. So when me and my girl met, it was kind of like she was dating other, other guys, I was dating other girls, and we started dating. And then even while we were in the relationship, she, I was like, you know, I don't really know if I want to close it yet. So we, we kept it kind of open the whole time. So we've been together for basically like eight years. You know, you know what I'm saying? It just got married. Rings don't so. fill holes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> But what about the other people that you guys get involved with? Are they, like, okay with that? Like, they're like, oh, you're married, but it's all right because you're in an open relationship? I don't think I can handle yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah, some people, some people, they're not down for it. And it's, and it's good, though, because I tell, you know, I always tell people, even people that I coach, I say, you know, first you have to be honest with yourself and say, listen, what do I want? So when you 
actually know what you want, you can find someone who's compatible with you and they want kind of the same thing. So then when, like, with our situation, if I'm chilling and I'm talking to a girl and I'm in her or whatever, or I want to see her, and I say, hey, listen, you know, I got a wife. Because I, I, I wear my ring all the time. You know, some guys, they go out and they'll sneak out on their wife and they'll take the ring off while they're at the bar or something. My ring stays on all day. So it's like... Do you ever get stuck in a girl? They see it. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard a lot of dudes say that, that the, the, the ring acts like a magnet. Right, right, that too. <laughs> you know, so I let I let them know. So, I, and some girls are down for it, some girls are not down for it. And you know, that's cool. I just want to I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. You right, know what right. I mean? So I just tell people to give people that some respect to say, listen, you know, I'm just letting you know what's going on, so you can make an informed decision as to if you want to participate or not. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's how that goes. Do you, do you think direct game works? Like if I walk up to a chick and just be like, "Hey, I want to fuck, baby," is that gonna work? No, that's you not gonna if work. I, if you go, if you just go up to a girl and ask her that she want to fuck. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the haircut. Does that like ever work? <laughs> I, I, gotta, I gotta get a haircut first. We're raising once, money. Yeah. Raising once I get money. once I get you're, a haircut, can I just walk up to a girl at the boy, bar and be like, boy. "Hey, want to fuck?" Yeah, that, that could work depending on how you do it, though. It's kind of like it's kind of like you you. You ease that in the conversation while you talk. Like, for example, you go up to a girl, you see her walking down the street or you're at a party or something, you walk up to her, hey, how you doing? My name is so-and-so. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, I think you're very attractive. I think we need to get together. And sometimes you can say, look, I want to fuck you or I want to hook up depending on how, you know, vulgar or how, you know, you want the words to come out. But usually what I tell guys to do before they even say that is see, see how the vibe is between you and the girl that you're talking to. So if you're talking to a girl and she's kind of like backing away or she's giving you one-word answers, that might not be the best time to say, hey, you want to fuck? Because you can already tell through the body language and through how she's responding to you that she's not really into you. But if you're talking to a girl and you're flirting and she's laughing, she's having a good time, and you kind of, you know, you kind of touch her, her hand or, you know, pull her into you and she's receptive, then it's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm into you. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's fuck. And most nine times out of ten, they'll do it. A lot of times... Girls want to have sex and fuck just as much as guys, but the reason why it seems like they'll, they won't go for that is because a lot of women, they care about what other people are going to think about them. So usually if you're in a situation where that girl is around her friends or somebody she knows and you say that to her, even if she wants to fuck you, she's not because she doesn't want her friends to think she's a slut or whatever. But if you take that girl in private, like you pull her close to you, nobody's around, and you say, hey, listen, let's do this, nine times out of ten she'll say yeah if she's into you because she wants to do it but she just doesn't want anybody else to be in her business you know around it so that's why a tip i tell guys like if you really just want to have sex with a girl make sure she's not around anybody else because if you bring that up she's just going to say no most likely automatically because there's other people in the in the vicinity you see what i'm saying yeah right right it's like the old uh what, what is the lock and key you ever <laughs> have you ever heard of the lock and key it's like, uh, no, what's that? all right, it's uh, the woman is the lock and the man is the key. Now, if oh, you have, if you, <laughs> if you have, if you have a lock that can be opened by any key, it's a pretty right. shitty, it's a pretty shitty lock. But if you have a key right. that can open any lock, that's a pretty valuable key. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard that analogy before. <laughs> So where can people find you, Mrs. Lucario? Do you have your own oh, show? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I got. I do a show on um, this. It's a, it's a station called the GoPro Radio Network, 
and it's the goproradio.com, and it's, the show's called The Sexy Party Show. So we talk about sex and dating and relationships and stuff like that. And also, I have my main site, mrlocario.com. That's M-R-L-O-C-A-R-I-O.com. And you can go there right now and get uh, my free ebook and my free audio programs on the homepage. Oh, nice. So you can, like, download those and all that good stuff. Cool, so cool. I got a question for you real quick. Uh, my buddy here just started doing the oh, online man. dating thing, and he had a really hot chick message him, and she goes... Hey, you're cute and local, and he uh, he replied back, and they've been talking back and forth. How long should you be uh, yeah. messaging each other back and forth online before you uh, tell a girl, "Hey, let's meet somewhere"? Oh yeah, well, then with that, you definitely have to try to get her number or give her your number, or set something up between like five or six messages, and, and and that's it. Like no, a lot of times guys do that back and forth for like 15, 20 messages. You have to try to wrap that up. Like as soon as possible, as soon as possible, because the thing with online, you have to try to get them offline as soon as possible. Because if you keep doing that back and forth, there's other guys that's talking to her, and there's going to be another guy that's going to take away her attention from you, and then you might miss out on seeing her because you're taking too long to wrap it up. So we tell guys to like literally just wrap that up. Like you send one message, she'll send a message back to you. Send her like one other one, she'll send one, and then the next, the, the fifth or sixth message, you'll be like, hey, listen, we should get together, get a drink, get some coffee. You know, give me your number, or here's my number. Text me. Call me and, and and make it happen like that. Like, don't spend spend as little time as possible as you can on the actual you know messages back and forth. Yeah, that's what I was telling All him. Right. But then they were telling me that I suck with girls, so I don't know anything. So <laughs> you know, but um, well, no, no, I've only sent her one message so far back. Um, she sent me another one back. So now, have you ever been catfished, man? Like, have you ever talked well, to a girl online or you yeah, know? Yeah, I had a question about that. What are the telltale like signs of catfishing? Right. Um, um, usually, usually it's a cabbage thing if the, if it's if it's one picture, you know, because usually if you if you see a hot, especially she'd still be a hot chick with only one picture, and usually her her profile doesn't really say that much, so that's usually like a fake profile when it's that one picture. Um, usually, if you're you're you know you message a, a girl messages you and then she gives you some other email to message her by, then that's usually one of those chat room scam thingies, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah. it's not a real girl. There's a lot of those on, like, Tinder, if you want Tinder, there's a lot of girls who do that. Um, and, and basically, yeah, that, those, are, those are, like, the main two. And, um, but, like, usually if you're continuously trying to um, get a girl to see you, and she's, like, changing the subject or, you know, like, like not giving you her number or whatever, it's either she's on uh, some catfish stuff or she's just an attention whore. You understand? <laughs> so that girl, those girls, you just leave alone and keep, keep it moving. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, what about you personally? Have you had any situations where you had to, like, run away from a girl or, like, bail out? Um, yeah, well, I had a situations where I would meet a woman and she she looked, like, totally different than her pictures, like, extremely different. Because usually, I, you know, when I meet girls from online, they, you know, I'm not expecting them to look, they don't have to look exactly, exactly like a picture, because sometimes, you know, your picture, you might have a good, like, picture or something, but it, there are times where I met women who, they look like a, a, a 9 or a 10 in their picture, and then I meet them, and they're like a 4 and a 5, and I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, they gained a few pounds, <laughs> and I'm just like, and then, you know, it's like, I, I'll sit with them for a little while, for like an hour, and drink some coffee and be nice, but I'm, I'm after that, I'm pretty much done. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I always look at that. I always look at that as being kind of deceptive. Like if you know you don't look like that now, <laughs> take those pictures down and put up the pictures how you look. So you know, so a guy who likes your look will be into you and call you and try to get with you instead of trying to do the bait and switch and expect me to like be into that. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> 
I don't months. like that stuff. <laughs> you know. All right, do any, anyone else have any questions for Mr. LaCara? I think we're all set. Yeah. yeah all right, man. Why don't you uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you one more time, and we're going to let you go, all right, man? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you guys can hit me up at MrLocario.com. That's M-R-L-O-C-A-R-I-O.com. You can go on my homepage and get some free stuff. Also, you can check me out at Mr. Locario TV. That's where I do free daily uh, dating advice, and also you can check out my blog site, which is ilooksexynaked.com, which is uh, <laughs> where we post, we post uh, pictures of hot girls, and we put dating advice and stuff up on there, so check out all those all those places. And thanks again for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, man. Definitely. Take care. You, got, you guys have a good night. You, you too. too. You too. Peace. Later. Later, bro. Doesn't stop. It just doesn't get old. He was pretty cool. I don't think I. He liked to talk, but he was pretty cool. Rob, you didn't see. You seemed a little freaked out by the whole like him being in an open marriage. Disgusting, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that. He didn't get any STDs. Yeah, I guess. I asked. He didn't answer my question. If his ring ever came off in one of them. <laughs> well, he, 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 he was avoiding the <laughs> FTD one for a while. Yeah, yeah. I did. had to go back to it. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> oh man. But I mean, it, some of it sounded like sound advice. I mean, yeah, I don't. I just I, don't think everybody's like. Any, I don't think anybody could do that. Like yeah. what he's trying to tell you. Like that's just not in everybody. It's, it's, it's it is. Not, it is. It is I just. Mean, to, you just have to talk, though. I mean, that's what it really. I don't think most people to. are. You know, made for more than one relationship. Like that's just I mean, retarded. Yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. That's stupid. Point, but like, Scummy. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. I was gonna ask like, him. Well, you know, like, what if the guy had a two-inch dick? <laughs> well, a lot of get- girls would just laugh at you if you got a two-inch dick. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like that whole open relationship, man. Two inch dick. Yeah, your wife is supposed to be like your treasure. How are you not supposed to like get fucking crazy over that? I I don't know. That's I don't know. know. I've always liked like I don't like doing like long term relationships, but I also don't like being with more than one girl. Like I'll be with one girl short term. You're 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 a fucking dick. Sounds great. Ripping me apart the whole show. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. This is a sponsor, bro. <laughs> you can't control what they I'm all, want. I'm all sad. The good people of Meow Mix. Uh, <laughs> I hate cats. No, but they, I've always... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big cat guy. They also wanted us to that say video, this. That video that everybody's outraged about, like the, the, the dude Wait. who kicked the cat. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. I'm going to take a piss. <laughs> All right, guys, Robin Swim Show, we're back. We have uh, Yoda on the air with us. How you doing, Yoda? Couldn't be better out here in San Diego. With me is Roy Backpack Baron. He has a rather large show. He's the host of it. And I appear often with him on Roy's show. Cool, man. So now, uh, what is it that you do? I beg your pardon? What is it that you do? What do I do? Yes. 
I have been chasing terrorists around for the past four decades. Since the Munich Olympic massacre in 1974, I work closely with U.S. federal and allied intelligence agencies in counterterrorism. And I smoke a lot, drink a lot of coffee. Me uh -huh. too. That's all <laughs> I'm Amen. about. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't get more American than that. Mm. If you want to keep the terrorists away, you got to drink coffee and smoke. <laughs> did, did, did you ever catch a terrorist? Roy runs a large radio show, and we publish the magnifiedview.com. That's a million visitor blog. What do you guys? What's that? What do you guys? Uh, we just uh, do this podcast. We talk about anything, you know. We have anybody on. We we just like to talk. Yeah, we kind of just started out, and I, uh, you know, we've been taking like a lot of guests, and we're just having a lot of fun with it, you know. Kind of do a hangout thing. Yeah, good to go, man. Good mm. to go. Now, how how long have you been doing this for? Doing what? Uh, the the show for. Well, how long have you been on, Roy? Uh, this is Roy Backpack Baron. I've been doing it since March of 2014. Okay. And I am the author of Looking Glass Shattered, Questions and Answers That Heal Old Wounds, and it's on Kindle and paperback. Both, It's on Amazon and sold in over 100 countries, but I, I took uh, some time off, and I've been traveling the country for three years, and I've picked up some jobs here and there, but it, it shows a lot of, it's really a diary of all the incredible things, and so I started doing radio in March, and then we've teamed up, Yoda and I, in the last month and a half time period. So it's been a great combination to bring magnifiedview.com and globalfreedomradio.com together to have a voice. And uh, we all met through uh, radioguestlist.com, which I understand it, uh, you've had some guests. We've actually we've had some of the same guests on the show. Cool, cool. Yeah, we've had a lot of cool people. We've definitely met a, met a lot of cool people on there. Okay. What? I noticed that you had Ed Romaine. He, oh, yeah, we uh, love Ed. He's awesome. Also to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Ed's, a, Ed's a really cool guy. We enjoyed that one a lot. Hello, hello. Hey, guys, I'm sorry about that. The uh, internet just went out for a minute. Yeah, we've been like all out of sorts. Our studios keep changing. Like we were broadcasting somewhere for a year, but um, you know that kind of fell through. So now we've just been jumping from different places, different people's garages and stuff like that. So uh, we hey, apologize. This is not just anyone's garage. This is Hollywood Christian Vogel. Hollywood garage. Christian Vogel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I had to put the kids to bed. Oh, that's fine, dude. We're with you. We can land a man on the moon, but we can't make these things work. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> I, w I was curious about Roy, if he's still there with you. Um, I wanted to know if he ever had wanted to get into radio when he was younger or if this is something that just, you know, he decided out of the blue to get into. Uh, those are great questions. I've always felt, uh, in, I write about it in my uh, diary called Looking Less Shattered, Questions and Answers That Heal Old Wounds. It's about giving a voice. I think for me, I spent, I had a very powerful father, dominating father, kind of, being the 800-pound gorilla that I talk about in my book. So part of my own journey has been to have my own voice out, but also have other people's voices out. I've had a huge range of, I've done six, over 60-plus interviews, uh, various shows, and 
it's to bring uh, shed a very bright bright light on other people to make sure that you know what's their story about what are they everyone doing? has a voice right That's yeah cool. it's called voice now validating you know giving a validation to people and uh, mm. interviews I found is a very therapeutic way to hear that I've heard all kinds of stories on the air sometimes shocking yeah I agree validated yeah <laughs> He's waiting to be validated, Yoda said. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your favorite topics to go over? Uh, I consider what I do as a variety show. I've had all kinds of guests. Like, you know, we both have interviewed Ed Romaine as one, and I've done the whole MTS management group, so I've had uh, Hicks, um, and I've ranged from counterterrorism. Actually, we had uh, Colonel Alan West, who was a congressman, he was just on today briefly, but we're going to have him back again. And uh, I've had two people running for Congress. So I would consider kind of like a Jay Leno type That's, of show where yeah. we have a variety of guests. So cool. It's a lot of fun. It really is fun. It's a great way to pe get people um, movers and shakers. You know, one of my on. friends works for uh, Glenn Beck. I might be able to get you in contact. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. We're always looking for new people. I, I just recently met someone who said we got Leonard Skinner we're gonna see about oh, getting wow. them on show so it's that's a lot cool. of fun yeah man pretty damn awesome. that's <laughs> that's really cool yeah it really is a lot of fun how do you access brother back what's that Yoda uh, okay. how do you access Glenn back uh well my friend Rick he works for him he works okay. for him uh, I think what? they do a podcast that's a very cool way is he in Texas now I think they work out of D.C. I, I think that's where they that he works out of. Big guy. You mm. know, big name. Yeah. Yeah, man. Where do you guys intend to go with the show? Forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just grabbing our ankles and hoping for the best here. Yeah. I yeah, like, we kind of like how you guys are talking about how you love like interviewing people like we feel the same way and it's it's just great to be an outlet for people people can come here and we get to learn their stories and we give them a way to tell their stories to other people and that's just a great feeling and if we never you know get anywhere further than that we'll still be happy with just being able to do that i think it's we just kind of exude like that friendly atmosphere you just come on we all kind of just hang out and chat about whatever and there's no yeah, really set of, things or anything. It's kind just, of the, like the pub where everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just yeah. fun. I've always been a fan of like the hangout radio because it's kind of like, you know, there's nights where you don't have anybody to hang out with. So you just turn on the radio with a couple of guys hanging out, drinking a couple beers. And that's, I mean, it's not the same, but it's still like, mm. you know, it creates Takes like you a away similar. from your miserable life for a few yeah. hours. What do you do for a living? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a dead-end job. A dead-end, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, all, a, a regular all, day job. All We're trying to get away from that. Work at the same place. Yeah, yeah, it's just a regular day job. It's nothing special, and, uh, you know. We're hoping yeah, maybe we can turn this into a career, but... What's right. that? <laughs> I didn't hear what you said, Yoda. You have real jobs down at the mall. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. Much, yeah. I'm a... I'm a landscaper. That's what I'm doing right now. So. <laughs> We're a bunch of zilches. <laughs> a lot of land escape out here. You ought to be in California. <laughs> How is California, man? I've never been down there. I've always wanted to go, but I'm just, you know, broke. 
So neither of you fellows in the service? No. No. Oh, got it. My father was, and I... My dad was in the Air National Guard. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh... I've had a lot of family that was in the military, but... My father was in Vietnam, my grandfather was a drill sergeant, and he was in uh, the Korean War. My grandfather also was in World War II. He was, uh, he was in Normandy, and he got captured by the Nazis, and they had him... They actually put him in a uh, Stalag. So That's a background, yeah. Wow. Wow, dude. Roy is a very accomplished IT guy, computer guy, and he got sick of that, and he literally made for grand adventure he gave all his stuff away sold his other stuff and he crisscrossed the country for three years seattle to miami and maine out here to san diego he had quite an adventure for three years wow not a lot of people that sounds like a great way to kind of find yourself as well yeah look in the mirror <laughs> 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 the Appalachian Trail. How many miles, Ron? I was doing uh, eight to fifteen miles a day on the Appalachian. I did a hundred miles, so that was awesome. That was is great. Wow. That's that's amazing. And I met some great people. I tell people I, I personally have not been in the military, but I have huge, uh, huge uh, recommendations for anybody that goes through the training. And uh, so. I wasn't being shot at, but it, there's a certain amount of comradeship that, because I would make friends for one day with people on the trail and then kind of come in and out and meet different people. And I recommend it uh, to do a really long hike if people can do it. Uh, so you all are in New Jersey, is that right? Yes, that's yes. correct. Jersey Shore. <laughs> uh, so the Appalachian Trail isn't too far. At one point, no. it actually is about 50 miles from New York City. It's, you get a chance to even if you can just do two or three days i recommend it yeah i used to live up uh north jersey and i i have hiked some of it it's awesome yeah i've been on it in uh the kittentinny mountain area it is pretty sweet i like it back to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) hiking no i got a question for you guys you guys uh, have been booking a lot of the the same people we have did you book a guy named sorantos by any chance what's his name sorantos uh, not yet. That name doesn't uh, sound familiar. Uh, <laughs> He's a publicity whore. Uh, so what's your uh, recommendation on him? Oh, he stinks. <laughs> Unless you just want to yell at him, which is what we did. That's <laughs> <was> pretty cool. <laughs> you stop. Um, not so much that. The guy was just... Oh. <laughs> I, I wasn't there for that one, but listening to it, he third was, rate, uh, third songs, rate music. He stunk. He stunk. Uh, internet and radio are full of ripoffs, man. Absolutely. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> now, I actually, I, I actually have a question for you, Yoda. I myself I have never served in the military, but uh, I consider myself to be a patriot, and I'm, I, I have a huge. Um, collection of books based upon like the lives of navy seals and people who also do like the seal team six who specialize in the counterterrorism. right now as a country do you feel that we're using our resources as far as like the seal team six the delta force effectively to stop uh counter to, to how do i word it uh, to um effectively to stop uh terrorist measures um do you feel like uh president obama has taken the correct steps 
in order to prevent future attacks on U.S. soil? No, not at all. Thank no. you, sir. I, I agree. agree. I, I agree. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I completely so. agree with that. <laughs> special ops are made up of U.S. Army special forces in size, Ranger battalions in size, then SEALs and our really brave Air Force guys that go along with us, and about 12 Marines. Anyway. Obama is doing the worst thing imaginable for the country in a lot of areas. The border, the ridiculous Iraq and Syria now, you know, just on and on. It's a joke, really. Yeah, I saw a picture just from, I guess, recently where he didn't even uh, salute the Marines that were uh, right by the plane when he was getting off. You know, was that Air Force One? You know, he, he just held his coffee up to them. It was so disrespectful. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have a clue. He's never been two rooms away from a communist. He's soft on Islam and Muslims. Yeah. That's what we got. Yeah, ra- been- I mean, radical Islam, it's a big, big issue. I, 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 I'm just, I still can't get over and am com- completely appalled about the fact of the trade of the five terrorists. Oh, for, yeah. for that. For Bergdahl. For the deserter. That, that, I mean, to me, that's almost an act of treason. Yeah. That's what. What are What are we fighting for? If that's what you're going to do, you know. Well, there's there's a follow-up now that we predicted in the magnified view. That is, they're pushing him out the door without any punishment now. They don't want to further embarrass mm. our fascinator in chief. You know. Yeah. yeah. No, it is the anointed we're doing all the wrong stuff. Yeah. Where do you stand with like ISIS? Like, what do you think we should be doing about that? Well, in my opinion, they are a threat to the homeland here now, an imminent threat. <clears throat> so the only thing you can do is go knock their ass off. Amen. Yeah. Uh, we wholeheartedly agree. Yes. Uh, I can, I'm pretty sure I can speak for everyone at the table when we say that we wholeheartedly agree with you there, sir. Do that with armor, tanks, infantry, and artillery. You, you know, you do it with air support. And um, you don't own it until you've got some guy there on the ground with an M16. Well, my, you my... can pump all you like, and it, it just doesn't work by itself. <clears throat> my grandfather, he had told me a story back, like when he was still alive, that back in World War One. They had a tr- they had problem with radical Islam in the Philippines, and uh, the only way they were able to stop these guys was when they captured their prisoners, when they executed these guys. And what they did, what our what the army did was they dipped the bullet in pig's blood and they shot them with it. And that's that's actually what's it scared the crap. It scared the shit out of them. They stopped attacking after they had done that. They also did that in India before. Pakistan became Pakistan. Now, was this the Indian Army that had done this, or was this the British Army that had done this? The Raj. It was the British colony of India. A good Philippine story against the Hucks. They were the Muslim communists. In 1911, we had to pick a new pistol, and we almost picked the 9mm German Luger. 
Hawk. which is a slick gun. But I've seen that gun. Hawks wrap themselves in bamboo as armor, and the nine mil Luger would not penetrate that and knock them down. So yeah. fast forwarding, we decided on the forty-five. <laughs> so nineteen eleven, we adopted the forty-five. Now, fast-forwarding it to now, we've screwed around with the Browning 9 mil and on and on and on, but now, special operations, all of them are back to the 45. Wow. That started with the Hucks in the Philippines. So, like, what what are they using now? Like, I guess Desert Eagles? Or... No, the uh, I believe right now the special forces are using the 6-hour... Oh, uh, okay, it's the, yeah. the model P227, which is the 45 caliber six hour. But uh, the standard uh, Army infantry is still issued the Beretta uh, M9, which is a 9 millimeter. And in my opinion, a p- complete piece of crap. <laughs> it is. The rationale is that you can, well, there are more rounds in the gun and it's lighter, the bullet, so you can carry more. That's the rationale for that. <clears throat> Now you're speaking my language, sir. I am a uh, quite a firearms fanatic myself. I uh, I like to spend as much time as possible behind the trigger of something. What do you What do you have? What do you shoot? Um, mostly I, I I've shot shotguns. Um, my favorite my my favorite firearm that I own now is actually a Ruger Red Label 28 gauge. But um, yeah. I've I've you know I've shot a couple different AR-15 variants and. Um, as far as handguns, um, the Glocks, and I've shot a few 1911s. Um, you know, being a civilian, especially living here in New Jersey, where the firearm laws are mm. actually absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as easy as in, in some of the other states, but um, I'm actually fortunate enough to have some family that lives in Pennsylvania and owns um, some large quantities of land where I get to go and, and uh, enjoy shooting some firearms and um, recreation. Uh, and down here, like I said, mostly because the firearm laws are so ridiculous, it's, I've been limited to kind of rimfire 22s and, and, and the shotguns. So I'm most knowledgeable with that, but I try to read up on as much information as I can. I've been a police instructor, <clears throat> rifle, shotgun, automatic, the thing, you know, since 1963 when I fired the national matches. Oh, wow. I brought out my jacket for Roy the other day here. Nice. So I'd been an instructor with SWAT and others for a long, long time. I'm older than a rock. <laughs> I was Julius Caesar when he was a corporal. <laughs> That's awesome, Yoda. You've been a great interview, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're having fun, you know. We want you guys really to do well. We're glad you're doing it, really. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, and we appreciate it. Same to you guys, too. We all got to stick together. We're all kind of shooting for the same goals here, you know? Yes, and we we definitely wish you all the best in the future. Take a look at the magnifiedview.com. Absolutely. You need a format. You need to be able to, if I may. And I do anything I want. I'm 77. (laughs) (laughs) need to articulate a theme for the show. All right? So I would take 10 minutes and write down so you can articulate what a theme is, you know. 
Right. Will help you. All right. Will help, really. All right. Well, you guys, you guys take care. Nice talking to you. All right, brother. Yeah, good talking to you. Thank you so you much, too. fellas. Great talking to you. What? Have a great night. You too. That was awesome. That wow. was good. I do kind of. I I disagree though with the format thing. I think we're doing all right. I think there's things we can work yeah. on. But I don't think we need a theme. No. I like the loose shit. Yeah. The, and, and if you look, if you look into who are the big names out there, Joe Rogan yeah. doesn't have a theme. I mean, he he interviews one person every day for like three hours, but oh, it's you know yeah. they talk about whatever they want. Opie and Anthony, mm. Anthony by himself, like they all, you know, they yeah. all just kind of do. We just want to shoot the shit, drink a few beers, be assholes to each other. Right. Yeah, and that's all good. people want to hear. You know, give them. Give them a couple hours away from their own shitty lives, their own shitty and, jobs. Uh, <laughs> saying that, being assholes to each other, by the way, I just want to throw out there, you know, Slim, I mean no disrespect <laughs> to you. I know we've been a little harsh on I'm you a, this show. I'm a sensitive little guy every now and then. <laughs> yeah. He's a sweet boy. I'm a sweet but, uh, little boy. But, you know, you know I consider you one of my best friends. Yeah. So. Oh, no, we've all busted on I each other. I probably have I was, a fucking I was, razor down my wrist if it uh, weren't for, you know, the show. Yeah. I was, you know, busting on Pete. We're all, you know, busting on right, each right. other. So. so if you are a new listener, just tune into the show. We don't really hate yeah. each other. We all, we all love Sorantos, each other. If you're Sorrentos, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, if Sorrentos is listening, you can, you can die in a house fire. You can, <laughs> you can flush Robin Slim down the toilet and go fuck your mother. And that's all I know. Love you guys. We'll be back with another interview to come. Stay tuned. Love you. I hate you. Okay, guys, it's the Rob and Slim Show. I'm Slim. I'm Rob. And uh, we're back. We got Craig Wiener on the line. And I believe you are a, uh, a psychologist that specializes in child behavior. Yeah. Okay, and you wrote a book on uh, raising your children with ADHD without using any medications, I believe. Yes, I did. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I've always been interested in, like, the whole ADHD thing and, like, I've always thought that um, the medications never really do anything. I feel like that is something that could just be like worked through. What are your uh, opinion on that? Well, yeah, I mean the the, the medications uh, help people in the short run because they, you know you react to this drug that increases your concentration, so that the tasks that you would normally push aside or the things you wouldn't want to do, you're more uh, eager to do them. But after a while, you just get um, used to being on the drug, and you, it stops working the so same, and then you get the side effects. You start and building, you like, a tolerance and whatnot, without right? The drug. You know how people get, um, if they start using a drug to do something, then they doubt that they can do things without the drug. So there's, there's problems even to introduce it, even if it has short-term benefits. Now, do you feel, uh, it's kind of my personal opinion that a lot of times these children that get diagnosed with ADHD are the product of parents who just can't be bothered to take their nose out of their iPhone for five minutes. And the kid's really just being a kid, just running around having fun, but the parents, because they don't want to deal with it, say, oh, well, my kid needs Adderall, or my kid needs the, what is it, Rid Ritalin? Ritalin's yeah, an evil-ass drug. And, and, you know, it's not really the kid's fault. It's just a kid being a normal kid, but because the parents are too busy with their own personal lives or social lives or work lives or whatever to deal with it, they have the kid medicated, so it becomes an, an, an easier task for the parent to have to, I guess if you want to call it, babysit their own child. What are your so opinions some, on that? For some cases, that may be the case. There's lots of other cases where the parents are really um, 
almost doing the opposite, or uh, the kids, but sometimes these kids are difficult to socialize because they have problems, health problems or developmental problems, and the parents are trying very hard to uh, get the kid to um, achieve, but the kid doesn't have a sense of uh, success, so that there's a reluctance for the kid to, it's harder for the kid to have success in the world. There's all sorts of uh, social stories that go with ending up with the same set of behaviors, so it's not one group. Hey, uh, get, Craig, get we got a... Same kinds of behaviors with multiple um, histories. Right, Craig, right. we got somebody calling in. Uh, they probably want to ask you a couple of questions. Is it okay? Are you yeah, willing sure. to... Okay, so we're going to take this call right now. Just give me a second here. Um, there we go. Uh, call, are you there? Oh, no, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Hello? Hold on, give me a second, caller. I got. I put, uh, I put, put the other guy on hold. Ah, you motherfucker! I'll hang up a call back. <laughs> well, no, you can stay on the phone. Hold on. Caller, stay on the phone with us, caller. You're all right. Oh, no. Did I hang up on Craig? Oh, there we go. All right. Craig, you still there? Yeah, I'm right here. Uh, I'm sorry. We're using, like, the Skype thing. Uh, I hit the wrong button, so let me uh, try this again. The guy's calling in. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. We got well. him on group. Uh, caller, are you there? Yeah, hi. How's it going, guys? Uh, who's, hey, who's this? This is Frankie Tuesday. Oh. I'm a Pete's fan. I love you guys. What the? F <laughs> uh, you're on. Okay, you're on the line with uh, Craig Weiner. What do you got for Craig Weiner, Frankie Tube Steaks? I, I love you guys. I've been a long time listener, and I was just gonna ask, you know, Doctor Weiner, what do you really do? Kids me shit all over the walls, or just shit in the tub? Because my little brother has ADHD, and that's what he does. <laughs> okay. So uh, I have to know more about the problems, you know, why he, he what is he doing? He's smearing uh, feces all over the man, staff? It, it's bad, yeah, man. I just usually smush his face and, and spank him as hard as I can. Is that, is that good? Oh, man. Uh, is, it, is this like a crank call or something? Or is this really a regular call? Wow. I, I don't... I I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. Frankie Two Stakes, one of our fans. I'll, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna Frankie hang up on him. I'm sorry about that, Doctor Weiner. Um, yeah, I, I, that guy. Well, that, guy that was um, really rude. Yeah, oh, wait, I don't I don't know how. He, on, okay, I got honestly. I know him. I I don't know how he got the fuck. I don't know how he got the number. Wow. Well. Yeah, we're sorry. We're sorry about that, Doctor Weiner. You still there? He's a real jerk. jerk sorry about that, Doctor Weiner. Uh, it's, it raises the issue, though, of uh, if you, when you get upset with the kids and, and we start to hit them, uh, it's obviously not going to really help the kids want to cooperate or have a relationship with you that's going to be uh, a reasonable relationship. So Let me right. just say about Frankie, he's like definitely he he's definitely got some problems like that that are in that category. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how how long have you been a, a psychologist, Doctor Weiner? Uh, since nineteen seventy nine. And what got you into that? Like, is that something you uh, always wanted to do growing up, or? Yeah, well, my father was a psychologist, so I, I learned psychology with him, and then I I was I enjoyed it, so I kept doing it. <laughs> now, um, my my mother was actually a child psychologist for quite a long time and uh, she didn't really work with um with the kids with beha behavioral problems so much as kids that were um, maybe like abused or things like that 
But she also said, you know, she, I guess, was, you could say, along the lines with you where she definitely didn't really agree with medicating children, especially when these children might not have had as severe problems as everyone think they had. They were just kids that maybe had a hard time socializing or whatnot. So um, I, I, I tend to agree with you on the fact that, you know, a lot of times maybe medication isn't the best way to handle these children. However, what are your opinions on a child that maybe because they have problems interacting with peers or problems interacting with um, authority figures become violent? Um, <laughs> like Frankie, he's been on every drug known to man. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times, you know, if these kids, there is a serious underlying issue. They, they can lash out, they, you know, they, they, they maybe can be become a danger to, uh, let's say, um, you couldn't assim assimilate them into a normal school. What, are your, what is your opinion on these children? Do you think there should be, like, specialized schools for these children or, like, um... Children like Frankie. Or maybe, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, um, I don't, you know, I, I realize you, uh, as a parent myself, you know, you want to have as normal of a life for your child as possible, but if the child is at risk for injuring themselves or injuring other people. What do you what is your opinion on that? What do you think these children who have these underlying issues or have these developmental issues, what do you think should be done with them? So then the question is, um, if you medicate if you sedate them, then they well, make make it safer for them to be around people and you could make things better in some ways. The problem is gonna be uh, What's going on? Oh, sorry, sorry. The drugs you're using what? Hold on. Who's screening phone calls? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Craig. I have no clue. I don't. Our screener must be. We got like an intern. He must be messing with us. Let me hang that up. I have no clue why they answered that again. I'm sorry. Who, okay. who, who's our intern today? Is it Billy? I think it's Billy. Billy, dude, what are you doing back there, Billy? Come on, Fuck, really? Man. Really? Get cool. your stuff together. Okay, really. sorry, we got him off the line. I, I don't know why that happened. Go on. We're sorry about that. Oh, so um, in some cases, it may be the uh, best option is to uh, <coughs> for medication or drugs to somebody to change their state. You 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 subdue them or get them to be more docile, and maybe other positive things will happen, or maybe they can be around people. Maybe. Uh, Lots of positive things can happen, but there's always the issue of what's the side effect of the drug you're giving, and then how long do you give the drug for? Hello. What other options are there that we could do with people? There's, there's lots of other things that we might be able to do. Yeah, uh, same okay. show. <laughs> Is Dr. Wiener on? Dr. Wiener, have you ever killed a kid? This is going great. Dr. Wiener? Oh, yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> I'm just calling, I was just wondering, this is Roy from Pacifity, have you ever killed a kid? I'm not sure I'm hearing you, Craig, are you asking if I've ever killed a kid? Yeah, because I've never allegedly done it, but it sounds cool. Alright. Hello? Is this like a, 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 like a comedy show that I'm on or something, or? I just don't know. What are you yeah. doing, buddy? It's Robin Sims. This is Robin Sims show. I was just going to call you and ask you. Okay. Did, did you? No, I haven't killed any children yet. Did you ever rape one? No. All right. 
Goodbye. God damn it, Billy. All right, Craig, uh, do you got anything else for us today? We'll say this again? Uh, we're, we're actually, we got another interview in a couple of minutes, so we're going to have to wrap this up. Uh, do you got, uh, can you uh, tell us all your plugs and everything? Tell us, I couldn't understand what you just said. The plug, tell us uh, well, what? Where, where can people find you? Hello. Hey, motherfuckers, why can't I not put me? This fact's too safe. Hang up on me. Wiener. Don't you know, I always tell people, like, my little brother, to curious Wiener on hold. Ah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. That is, he's... Billy's getting fired. Yeah, Billy sucks. Billy. Billy, you're fired. Billy, you're you're gone. Billy Schwaggles. Billy Schwaggles. Billy no Schwaggles. He hates it when you're gone. <laughs> Craig, you still there? No, I think I, I think we lost him. Ah, uh, did we? Oh, he he was on. He stayed, dude. He's. I, I mean, if you want, but I think. No, I, I was gonna we, wrap it up with we, him. Yeah, I don't think we need uh, to come back. I was trying to get him to promote his stuff, but he didn't. He didn't get any plugs out, did he? No. Oh, good. <laughs> he, he didn't know what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> That's his plug right there. There you have it, Billy Weiner, folks. <laughs> wow. Was he good guess? Craig Weiner. Yeah. Craig Weiner. Craig Weiner. Good guy. Wiener, you're a winner. You're a winner, Wiener. Wiener. We literally, I don't know why he was still on the line. We all walked out at one point. Do we have any listeners? What's up, guys? It's Pretty Good Robin Slim Show. We are back. We just uh, had a great conversation with uh, Craig Wiener. He was, oh, he was great. He was, a, he was a little sweetheart. He I was. like the Wiener. He took the Wiener, calls. He, he, we, he took the calls. Was a winner. He took it all, he was, bro. He, he stayed all, man. He <laughs> took it deep. If anybody's listening right now, what I need you to do is crack yourself a fresh beer. Because yes. that's what we all just did. Yep, that's and it, donate man. to us. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. To the Trim Slim Foundation. To the Trim Slim <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> I'm going to go to the barber shop. I'll film it if, if it's that important to you guys. I want to have Carmine on the show, but I, he's a busy man. He's got, you know, yeah. a newborn baby. and Yeah, it definitely takes up a big chunk of time. Right and there. his barber shop. But this is for you, Carmine, if you're out there. <laughs> You're the man, Carmine. And uh So this is gonna be our new base of operations? I don't know if you guys are feeling it. Base or tip. I mean, if you if you're okay with it, I prefer this over, you know, my landlord yelling at Rob for smoking a cigarette. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good with it, guys. Dude, she was lit she was eating. I mean it's just like with you you work, so I mean it would have to be okay with your yeah. girl too if we're here when you're not here, you know? So it's my house. True. Good point. <laughs> Rings don't fill holes, sir. <laughs> oh, man. You just said that on the air. I did. <laughs> I'll cut it out. You don't have to. Hollywood pushing over. That's what he wants. 
Hollywood. Yes, I'm gonna disconnect myself for a second here. So we got Hollywood, Christian Vogel, Rob, Slim, and Peter the Gentile. <laughs> <laughs> Rob the kids all cock. <laughs> yeah, Rob the kids all cock. Van Orden. That's all I know. Orden, Orden. Orden, Orden. I'm Peter the Gentile. Why isn't this folder opening? Slim Bagini Sizzle Tits. Yeah, yeah. Slim Bagini. Yeah. Yo, yo, you know what was great about that last segment is my mic kept falling off the table, so I'm sitting there trying to hold up this huge stand. trying pretty epic. We made up an intern, epic. too. We, we have intern Billy here. Yeah, Billy Schwaggles. Yeah, is Billy Schwaggles. Billy Schwaggles. He's, he's just letting all the callers through. He's cool. He's my hero. And Pete was giving us a little background on... Uh, on Frankie Two Sticks and his drug issues. Oh, he's yeah. got a lot of problems, right? Yeah, he's he's he definitely has problems. What are you doing? Oh yeah. I was looking for another track. I... It's that shit. It's That's that shit to make you smack your bitch. <laughs> but uh, one of these days, I'm gonna get a friend of mine named Big Will on on the uh, oh. on online. Are we live right now? Are yeah, we... I think so. Okay. And you, you guys will enjoy yeah, we're, we're Big live. Will. I just like was trying to. I think we're waiting on for another call. I think Jim, Jim's going to yeah. be calling us in a couple of minutes. What is Jim? He's a uh, an author, an author. three author or something like that. All I want to hear is that one track. Yeah. I like this because it's roomy in here and it's. It's weird because, like, with this table in my living room, it's it cramped. seems a lot bigger. Like, the table is soft. Uh, like, when I unfolded <clears throat> the table, I was like, wow, this table's small. And Biff Gunpowder and your mom aren't, like, trying to move the camera around. Yeah, in the last constantly. episode we did, there's a point where the camera gets messed up, and I wasn't sure how it happened. There's really? literally a part where you see my mother walks in front of the camera, picks up the tripod, moves it. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> wow. That's great. <laughs> and then you, you're constantly seeing Biff Gunpowder, yeah, like, cat. People well, I mean, love the running in front of my girl was in and my, my kids, but... Yeah, that was oh, cool. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, Seth kind of took your spot. He, he yeah, up, he, dude, you know, he did some commentary and I mean, everything. I tell you what, he's a, he's a smart little dude. That's my buddy. So, what are you drinking there, Christian? Right now, I'm drinking a Dogfish Head Sierra Nevada collaboration called Rising Binds. That is amazing. And we should get Ricky on the phone. We found out last week that our oh, good buddy Ricky from the I've Two heard. Broke I'm Kramers podcast is a uh, craft beer drinker. Yeah, and uh, Christian and I are uh, avid. Absolutely. Craft beer drinkers. Yes. So maybe yes, after Stalker am. Patty, if we're still going, we I can, definitely uh, am yeah, too. If, Ricky, if you're listening, man, we're I'm raising this glass to you, my friend. I'm we we give you some you. tips, buddies. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I'm still drinking the Country Line IPA right now, which, which is, is like good. my, you know, go-to IPA. And then you gave me the uh, Rise and Binds. Yes, which is that's this right here is probably the last glass of it you'll ever drink. Okay, we got a call. Oh, we got a call. Robin Slim Show. Hey, is this the Rob or Slim? This is Rob. Hey, Rob, it's Jim Strait. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Good, how are you? How you Great. doing, Jim? I'm Slim. I'm here, too, and we have our buddy uh, Christian here, and we also have our friend uh, Pete here, and we are uh, live right now and are also recording live. How you doing, Jim? Good, how are you? Pretty good, man. We're all doing good here. Very nice to talk to you, sir. So now you're a you're a, a novelist. Uh, we got your book here. It's uh, what is it, Rob? Uh, World War Three, not how you imagined. Is this the first book you've ever written? 
No, it's uh, actually the fifth. But uh, my first book was a book called Weird Missouri, which is a travel guide for all the strange, odd, and weird things out in Missouri. So it's kind of like Weird New Jersey. Like down in Jersey, we have a a magazine called Weird New Jersey. Which I'm a huge fan of. I have Mm. every issue. Yeah, it's the it's the same folks who produce Weird New Jersey. They just they they hired me to write Weird Missouri. Oh, that's cool. That's 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 awesome because I I actually uh, recently met Mark and Mark who are the. the writers of Weird New Jersey at a beer fest, and they were really nice guys. So, Thank you. I, I, I've talked to uh, uh, Mark Human on the phone many times, but we've never met personally. Mm. They're a great bunch of guys. They're really cool. So what's the weirdest thing in Missouri? The weirdest thing in Missouri? Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a tough question. There's a lot of weirdness, just like in all states. Uh, mm. A lot of, a lot of uh, amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, I spent, uh, eight, you know, actually, I spent eight weeks... Drove 8,500 miles, went to about 300 different venues, spoke to hundreds of Missourians, took 2,700 pictures, and then sat down for four months to write the book. And uh, uh, that's almost impossible to to answer. There's just so many things. All right, so then how about this? Pick your favorite thing as far as weird things go in Missouri. Well, my my favorite thing is, it's both weird and inspirational and completely unlikely because I, I met a fella called Catfish George. And, uh, Was he a catfish he, or something? Well, he's, a, he's huge into catfishing, that's for sure. Um, but he's uh, about 70, he must be about 75 now. And uh, I met him eight years ago out in front of a convenience store. He had this little tricycle uh, bicycle that he was riding with a basket on it. A <laughs> little bell, too. I, I just want to comment about catfishing. It's, that's, it's a completely different area of fishing than regular fishing is. It's uh, <laughs> Like noodling? Different kinds of catfish, you know. They're, they're just uh, – it, it's oh. a skill. Th- let's, thanks let's for that, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I am an avid fisherman, and I will attest to that. Yeah, he had caught some big catfish, like, you know, 130 pounds, 120 wow. pounds. That is catfish. a big catfish. Yeah. Um, but he was um, a, a really strange fella, very nice guy, but he had uh, these big American flags, and he had a POW flag and a Marine Corps flag, and he had all these signs that he'd made out of cardboard talking about how much... Uh, time he'd spent flying in his travels around the world, had 180 crossings of an international dateline and 50 trips to uh, Japan and 25 trips to Australia. He'd been to 66 countries, and he did it all on a $10 an hour welding job. And um, I thought that was pretty impressive. So we, we sat down and we talked for a few hours, and we've actually become good friends. We've, uh, over the years, have probably exchanged 100 you know, snail mail type letters back and forth. Uh, but he was he was weird in that he was, had this off-putting appearance. He he dressed head to toe in black. He had this uh, hillbilly-looking hat with all these stickers and buttons and stuff on it, and he had the, the, a vest with the same kind of stuff on it. And he had a voice that was so deep and so powerful, just naturally that way. He didn't try to make it that way. He just could be heard across any room speaking normally. Um, between his voice and his appearance, he was off-putting, and he, he people would walk around him. And uh, I just walked up to him. We started having a normal conversation, and we just you know kind of kind of clicked. And uh, he had this incredible life where he would literally uh, he didn't he, he didn't even start traveling until he was like 50 years old, and he discovered 
that uh, in Europe you could buy these things called rail passes, and he could go from country to country just like he could from state to state. And when he discovered how inexpensive those were, because he had been frugal all his life and he'd saved a little money, he started traveling like on the spot. And he has gone to 66 countries, had more time in 747s than a lot of 747 pilots, and uh, he just had this extraordinary life. But he's a very strange dude. Not many people can interact with him, but I just happen to be able to do it. That was pretty awesome. cool, man. You might actually have to get us in touch with that guy. We would love to interview somebody <laughs> like that. Yeah, absolutely. He seems like really cool. Now, yeah, yeah. So, the, so then the first thing you wrote was, I guess what you would say, nonfiction, because it was based on like real things. The newest book that you just released, the one on World War III, that's obviously fiction. The books between that, do you go back and forth between nonfiction and fiction, or did you write that one book that was nonfiction and everything else is like a fiction book? Well, actually, what I've written since uh, Weird Missouri have, have all been novels and fiction, and I enjoy writing fiction because I can do it fluidly. If you, if you stay in your wheelhouse, if you write about what you know, uh, you don't have to do a lot of research, and you can write very rapidly. And I wrote any book that I've written, I've never spent more than like eight or ten weeks writing the book. The, the bulk of the time is spent rewriting and editing and just you know, the, the, all the aspects of putting the thing into production and, and you know, publishing it. So then how, uh, long, how long does it take you to finish one book then? Uh, from beginning to end, probably, probably average time is nine to ten months. Well, wow. see, this is so weird because you're the second author we've talked to, and the other guy we talked to, uh, Bennett Bix, who was really cool, he wrote a book that he just released in three months. And I've always thought that was crazy because, like, I, I've wanted to get into writing novels and stuff like that, and I hear people say, like, oh, you're going to be spending, like, five years writing one book, and then it's not going to go anywhere. you got to wait till you release, like, ten books that are going to take you 20 years. You know, so it's, it's, it's weird to hear the complete well, you know, opposite of that. But writing a book is an individual thing. Some people write fast. I write fast. Others do take their time. You know, I, I know some people who have published books who... Who take two, three years to write a book, and for me, I couldn't, I couldn't invest that kind of time to just for one book. I, I need to get it done. Well, how how uh, much time are you investing a day, like in hours? Uh, it would depend. I mean, some days I would just, I would write, you know, fourteen, fifteen thousand words, and that would be like a full ten-hour day where I just, I was just in the zone, and I couldn't get up from the keyboard other than to just, you know, go to the bathroom or get a drink of water or something. Uh, other days, you know, maybe I'll write a thousand words or fifteen hundred words. But you know, I probably average, you know, a couple thousand words a day. And World War Three, I think, is about a hundred and thirty thousand words. So that probably translates to what, you know, sixty sixty days of you know invested in writing the book. There's about ten weeks to write the book, actually. Um, now, but, a, a, as an author, can I just ask you, uh, who are some of your favorite authors? Do you have draw inspiration from anyone, or is there anyone who has a particular uh, writing style that you enjoy? Um, yeah, I, I really like John D. McDonald. He, you know, he wrote a bunch of, he was a very prolific guy, wrote about 125 books. And, uh, I liked his, the, the directness of his writing. He, he didn't couch a lot of the ideas and a lot of the interactions and he kept things, you know, concise and, um, uh, I kind of write with, I attempt to write with, uh, very little background on the characters, just enough to give you a, a feel for what kind of human being they are and why they are the way they are. But I don't go into you know the minutia about their life and you know you know they fell down and scratched their knee and being good. So it's, it's not like Stephen King who will give you just pointless information about like a character's father's grandfather or something. <laughs> That's not my style. That's cool, man. Nope. Now, 
Oh, go ahead. Go, Rob. What got you in, what made you want to become a writer, Jim? Well, I, you know, really, I mean, I flew airplanes for a living for, you know, 30 years, and then in about uh, 2005, uh, I had a stroke, and that took me out of the, the airplane. So I had to decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life, and in my, you know, recovery period where I had a diminished capacity, I decided I was going to go into uh, talk radio. And everybody asked, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know, just hide and watch. And basically what I did is I, I paid for an introduction to an established talk radio personality in Philadelphia. And he took me under his wing for six months, and he introduced me to a station owner, and they put me on the air for like four years. But um, one of the first interviews I did was with, uh, I'd say in the first three months of doing interviews, was with um, uh, the Weird New Jersey folks. And we talked for about 20 minutes. We laughed ourselves simple, and we started exchanging emails. And they asked me if they if I could write, and I said, "Well, I've written manuals and checklists and that type of thing in my aviation career, but I uh, hadn't really thought about writing uh, stories, you know." And uh, so they said, "Well, we need somebody to write weird Missouri because they learned I grew up in Missouri." And they said, "Send us a writing sample." So I did, and they said, uh, "Well, we like it. Let's let's put it uh, past the publishers, see what they say." And the publisher gave it their okay, so they hired me to write the book. And so the, the, the experience of writing Weird Missouri kind of cemented in my mind that, okay, yeah, I can, I can chain a bunch of events together and, and, and keep it cogent and, make it, and have it all make sense. And uh, then I just decided to write a novel, and I, I banged that thing out in about six weeks, the first novel, which was Deja Vu all over again. That's awesome. And that yeah, was, that's a really great story. Yeah. So now being a guy that used to be in uh, radio, do you have a podcast or have thought about doing a podcast? No, actually, the the radio thing I, I enjoyed it for a while, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I mean, I could go back to it if I if I wanted to, and if I did, I would probably go back with something along the lines of book talk radio, where I talk you know, exclusively authors and talk to publishers and agents and that type of thing. Uh, but I, I don't right now have a, an overwhelming desire to go back into it. I've, I've got a couple more books that I want to do that uh, are my, my my immediate pressing future. So right now, writing is like your main passion? Yeah, well, yeah, it is. Uh, well, I write during the winter months because during the summer months, I'm too physical to sit down and write. I, during the summer months, like, I, I compile a bunch of notes. I'll be out riding my bike, and I'll think of something that would be ideal for a character to say, and I'll make a note so that I can include that at some point in time in the story. That, you know, that, uh, so I've got a bunch of notes for my next book. And uh, so... As soon as it really gets cold here, where uh, it limits what I can do outside because I don't ski or snowshoe and kind of thing like that, uh, then I will probably, you know, you know, lock horns with the computer and, and just bang out a book between now and probably, you know, February. Now, do you feel like you have a certain amount of stories in you, or is it something that constantly flows out of you? Like, because I've heard Kevin Smith say that when he started, you know, he only had a certain amount of stories inside him. Well, I think one, one advantage I have is that I'm 65 years old, so I've got a lot of life experience, and mm. I, I can relate to a lot of things that have happened in the past or that I've done in the past, and I can either tell a version of that story or tell a version of that story as seen from someone else's perspective. Or It's very nice to be able to just to write from your past experience, and that's just a function of being older. That's um, cool. And I don't think I have a limited number of stories in me. In fact, the... the one of the problems I have with writing uh, any novel is to, uh, I've had several false starts. Well, I'll put, I'll put 30,000 words down, and then at the end of that 30,000 words, I think, eh, it's not really clicking. 
Wow. And then I go off on another story that's just as interesting. And I have a I have a novel that I would like to do, but I know it's going to require probably two hundred thousand words and uh, a lot of uh, probably a lot more research than I've ever passed. I think that's probably the novel that will will find uh, me ultimately. But I keep putting it off because number one, it's going to be a uh, pretty much a, a challenge. Hmm. Uh, but um, uh, off of that novel, I have, you know, I probably I thought of another 15 novels I could do just on a similar line. So if I wanted to, I could probably write a real long series around that story. But no, I don't think I'm going to run out of ideas. I think the the problem is I have too many ideas. <laughs> now, now I got a question. As an author, um, back in the day that there were before like the internet an author or anybody writing anything would have to go out and actually like research things like they would go out and talk to people or see things now a lot of people you could just go on the internet and find out whatever you need what is your approach to research yeah that's that's a great point because um uh yeah i used to you know do a lot of research in a library and, and what used to take me you know two or three days in a week to do i can literally do in 15 minutes online so you know, the, the Internet is an absolutely incredible research source. and uh, But fortunately, to this point, I've wrote about what I know, what I've experienced, and I don't have to do a lot of research. Like in Deja Vu all over again, it has some fairly complex portions to it, but the only thing I really needed to research is I needed to learn how much the International Space Station would weigh if it were on the ground, which is right around a million pounds, and I needed to know where over planet Earth you would need to execute a deorbit burn to land at uh, Rogers Dry Lake, the just west of Edwards Air Force in California, which happens to be um, uh, the uh, the Dead Sea. I, I think it was the Dead Sea. So I didn't know that off the top of my head, but I was able to find out where the shuttle needs to do a deorbit burn to land there in like three or four minutes. Wow. So, so it's just amazing to be able to do that kind of stuff. That's awesome. What? What? How did you come up with the story for uh, World World War Three? Uh, well, basically, I started with the on the the idea that I wanted to uh, kind of communicate the idea of uh, what can be done with wingsuits. And if you're not familiar with wingsuits, they're the things that skydivers have started using to uh, extend not only their freefall time but the distance they can traverse in the air while they're in freefall. Yeah, I've played a and, lot of Far Cry. I know what a wingsuit is. <laughs> it's a video game that's just a silly reference uh, yeah well in in the last 15 years they've come you know just incredible distance with what they can do with these things and they're very close to being able to land a wingsuit without a parachute and it's going to require a very special person man or woman they're going to have to be very tall very light they're going to have to be very skilled very courageous and they're going to have to do it under very precise laboratory conditions and uh, but they can't jay's build they're close to doing they're close to doing it now somebody's going to do it in the very near future well i had actually seen i don't know if you're familiar with you know who stan lee is he's the guy that wrote like all the marvel comics but um he did this show called stan lee superheroes Mm. and they had a flying man who was this guy who he had a flying suit and he was very well trained and be and he was saying like you have to be very like every little movement moves it, but this guy had it down, he practiced all the time, and he could actually fly one of those things. Yeah, no, there's there's a handful of people all around the world 
most of them are in Europe because the regulations are, are, are a little more lax in Europe. In Europe, you can only you can jump with one parachute, which you are putting all your eggs in one basket. But it does, I guess, give you more freedom, and you're lighter in the air because you're only wearing one parachute. Here in the United States, you have to wear two, at least to do it legally. Wow. And, uh, but, you know, there's a handful of people all around the world who are doing incredible things with wingsuits, and that's why I say that, you know, they're very close to being able to land these things under very limited, very precise conditions, and I don't think it's ever going to happen like I represented in uh, World War III. But it was convenient for the story, and it basically I started the book on the idea of promoting the idea of landing a wingsuit. And then one thing led to the other, and I thought, well, just go ahead and just, you know, balloon this thing into a much larger story. And before I knew it, I had, you know, this this thing about World War III. But I, I, the other aspect of that is is that after 9-11, right after 9-11, um, my uh, military mind said, well, if these people, these, if these al-Qaeda people have half a brain, they have they have seeded this country with cells of people who can you know be activated on a you know a phone call or an email, and they could really do some serious damage if they were you know dedicated and professional and, and ruthless. So um, for about you know after about 90 days, that became obvious they hadn't done that that they weren't they weren't half smart. Thank goodness, and uh, you know but you know if there were a force like that, who was um, you know, intelligent and patient and uh, ultimately, uh, you know, savage, they could raise hell in the United States or Europe like, you know, unbelievable. So incorporated that into the book, and of course then my wingsuited special operator guys have to take care of those folks. Now, how do you feel about female in uh, females in leadership roles? Yeah, I'm all for it, man. I mean, uh, some of the most impressive people I've ever flown with, done anything with, are female. And um, if you ever sell a female short, you better be ready to pick yourself up off the ground. Yeah, there's, a, <laughs> there's also a lot of ruthless women out there, too. So. <laughs> yeah, who don't well, know that? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you were actually telling me that the uh, Mongols, their woman used to train. Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, the Mongol, and, uh, not just the Mongols, but all the steppe nomads. Their, their women were, they were trained to fight. And uh, one, one group, the Sarmatians, the women couldn't get married until they had murdered a foe in battle. So, wow! Wow! I mean, the step is. I I, I listen to like uh, I've been listening to Dan Carlin's um, podcast is uh, his history. He was saying like uh, yeah. the step is where the the uh, legends of the Amazon come from. So <laughs> I I have also uh, I've always been interested in kind of like the Japanese history with oh, the yeah. samurai and stuff. And a lot of people don't realize that the Japanese samurai devoted a whole sect of martial arts specifically to train for women. women assassins yeah. and yeah. Women they call those the kunoichi. You, know, kuno yeah, yep. yep. you can't you can't <laughs> underestimate a woman scorned. Absolutely, <laughs> those bras oh, yeah. are tough. Oh, have <laughs> <no> fury. <laughs> Absolutely, you don't even have to make one mad. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've always been impressed with the abilities of women, and yeah, not only can they do leadership roles, but they can do physical combat as well as many male soldiers. So putting them on the front lines, I mean, there's they are they are vulnerable to the sexual aspect of things, the, the bad news that can happen there. But other than that, uh, no, I think you know women can hold their own on the front line, and we're just not psychologically prepared for it right now. It'll take a while for us to to embrace it and get used to it, but. You know, 25 years from now, we might find that there's some really hardcore 
female special, special operators out there. So I think it's a, it's a little ironic that you wrote a book on World War III because a lot of people think where we're going right now, where things are headed with uh, Putin and with ISIS and all that stuff, that we're on the verge of World War III. What do you think? Yeah, it was good timing for the title. Um, I guess it depends on how you find, define World War. All of us, we think of World War One, we think of World War Two, and that's the 20th century model where, you know, the, the biggest power players on the planet hammer it out over vast geographic areas, and it's an all-in thing where the, the whole population of each civilian population of all the countries are involved in war production. And so in that way... We don't meet that definition of World War III, but I don't know that there's ever been a time where there's been more countries at war uh, at one mm -hmm. time, and I don't know that it's ever have a, had a larger, uh, least psychological ripple effect all around the world than right now. So maybe you got to redefine what a world war is, and maybe you know if you accept the new definition, maybe we are in a war. I think that yeah, I think that we already are in World War III. We just don't know it yet. The historians don't know it yet, you know? Yeah, a lot of people said that the Cold War was World War Three. So yeah. They wanted to find it, you know? So, Jim, what are your opinions on the media, on, like, you know, like Fox News or any of the uh, cable news? CNN, Fox News, I they're all... Fox News because the women are better looking. I find it pretty aggravating. It's... You know, I grew up on the, the media in the era of uh, Walter Conkright and uh, Huntley Brinkley, and these guys essentially would look into the camera, read the news, and they wouldn't offer an opinion. They would just mm. tell you the news, and it was up to you to you know decide what what was coming down. Yeah. And now you've got polarized, you know, synthetical news organizations and and. Well, this, this is how I see it. You got Fox News that toes the Republican Party line. Yeah, and then you got uh, CNN who toes the Democratic Party line. So both of them are just looking at things from their own perspective, but they're not actually just giving you hard news. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they give you the news, but then they they want to they want to reinforce the news from you know with their yeah. personnel. And tell you how to and feel about it. If you're susceptible to that reinforcement, then you're you're impacted by it, mm. and you should just be learning the events that have happened. And you make your own decisions based upon that. But, uh, so, no, I, I find the, the cable news uh, networks to be aggravating, but they are our main source of news now. But And like I said before, I choose Fox because the girls are better looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I? Now, uh, Jim, I, I did want to ask you what uh, WASP modification was. Yeah, the WASP modification, yeah. The, the, in, in the book, uh, World War III, not uh, how you imagine, part of the uh, opening sequences are, are uh, an event where there's a, a B-2 stealth bomber flying between the United States and North Korea. And uh, the WASP modification was a, a new uh, element of the B-2 that allowed the airfoil to be shaped, the, the shape of the airfoil to be changed to make it more aerodynamically slippery and more efficient, allowing the airplane to go faster, burning less fuel. And it was a super secret thing, and uh, it ultimately led to trouble. But uh, so, but the WASP modification is something that um, I would imagine, I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine that they played around with something similar to that because it just seems to me to be an obvious uh, direction to go. But uh, 
know that it's existed in the real world. I don't know that anything mm. in the book existed in the real world. But I think some, I put some of it there because it just seems to me, based upon my my past experience, that those are directions that we can go and should go. And who knows if, if um, I can think of it, somebody else can think of it. Maybe it's already in progress. Yeah, that's true. And where can we find your books? Uh, Amazon.com is doing real well on Amazon.com. In fact, I think you know you mentioned World War III and the title is World War III, and I think it is come it has come out at the right time, and it has been selling real well. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, and really just about any other book retailer online. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for this interview. Yes, this has been a great interview, and thank you so much for appearing on our show. Hey, Rob and Slim, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Best of luck. I liked him. He was cool. Yes, yeah, he was, was really, really neat. cool. Yeah. You know, he seemed like one of those guys who's uh, really intelligent about the subject matter that he presented I, in his books, too. I liked the whole weird Missouri thing he did. I thought yeah, that was pretty that was neat. Awesome, now, dude. You, you were with me, too, at the Beer Fest. When we, we met the guys from Weird New Jersey. Mark, Mark, yep. and Mark, and they were, they were definitely some cool guys, man, so... And I'm a huge fan of Weird New Jersey. I have like every magazine they've published. So best of luck to those guys too. They're mm-hmm. absolutely really cool guys. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break here. We will be back in a couple minutes. I believe we have Stalker Patty on the line next. Stalker, Stalker Patty. Patty, really? Stalker Patty, fifty year old virgin. Hello. Yes, hello. This is a Robinson show. Hi, this is Patty. Hey, Patty, how you Hi, doing? Hi, Patty, how you doing tonight? So, oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. That's good. Where, where, where are you at, Patty? I'm at home. <laughs> and where is that? I'm in Staten Island. Staten oh, Island. Staten Island. <laughs> I, uh, my, uh, my wife's originally from Long Island, so I've drove, Look, driven through Staten Island many a time. Let's explain a little bit. I'm uh, from a Jersey City. <laughs> Patty, you're a, a fan and a character from the uh, Opie and Anthony show who uh, Rob and I are both big fans of. And uh, we, you're actually the second character from the Opie and Anthony show who we've had on. We've had Big A on, and he was really cool, so we're, uh, we're happy to talk with you. I personally, I don't know very much about you because I just started listening to O&A in January, which was kind of upsetting seeing that uh, Anthony got fired like a couple months after... I started listening, but um, you've only been on, I think, one Super so- Show since I started listening. I've been on a couple of the Super Shows, you They're know. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved when they sent you into that other studio. I don't know. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> 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 that other show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I apologize, Patty. We've all been drinking a little bit tonight. We're feeling pretty good. It's, oh, that's it, cool. It, yeah, it's been, it, it's been a fun night. It's Fine. been a fun night. Hanging out Heathens with, and savages. Absolutely. Hanging out with my with my buddies. Now, oh, Slim cool. is a chronic masturbator. I was going to ask if you were, Patty. Uh, do I what? Slim, what? Slim is known to beat his meat. A lot. I didn't. Yeah, know. like I, I, you know, I, I masturbate about three or four times a day. Wow. So what? Three or four times what? A day? What my co-host Rob <laughs> is asking you is if you're a chronic masturbator as well. Uh, hello. Hi, yeah, I'm there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, our, our, we thought we lost you there for a second. 
I'm, I'm sorry. Our, our co-hosts tonight are being... They're being really rude, but um, <laughs> anyway, have you have you met either Opie or Anthony personally? Like, do you know these guys? Of course she did. She's been oh, on the yeah, show. She used to live under yeah, the I staircase. Mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, of course, of course she did. Yeah, she's been. Of course, of course she did. I didn't mean it like that. Jim I mean, like, Norton did stuff with her. Oh, oh really? Well, Jim yeah. Norton's a very lucky guy. <laughs> oh yeah, very interesting things. I <laughs> shaved my head for you two tickets. Oh and, wow! Uh, all kinds of crazy things. Well, Pat, I bet you look. I bet you look just absolutely fabulous, bald. So that's that's great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Patty, were you upset when Ant got fired? Well, uh, you know what? I thought it was the most unfair thing. This guy, I call him Green Stink, because that's my name for him, because he stinks, you know? He stinks. Doesn't even he give does. the guy a chance to tell his story, nothing, but just goes ahead and takes an act, and it's so stupid. You know? He's a fucking douchebag. But you know what? You know, when you... when. They give you a lemon, you make lemonade. You know, That's Anthony it. did very well for himself. He put together that show in only 30 days, you know, his uh, podcast. And, and I think and it's he, awesome. And he dominated. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. How many, how many yeah. batches is that for you, Slim, 30 days? <laughs> <laughs> That's like 90 yeah. fucking... I like to say he took that babies? lemon and he squeezed it in that oh, guy's Oh, he dick. squeezed it tight. Definitely. Now, if, if if regular lemonade comes from yellow lemons, where does pink lemonade come from? Because <laughs> I don't know. I've, always, I've, put, I've never they put strawberry juice or, or oh, like pomegranate. Maybe, in it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That was a disaster. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little drunk, guys. <laughs> lemonade was a mistake done by some scientist. Patty, what do you <laughs> genetic uh, engineering on the lemons? What do you what do you do for a living, Patty? Oh, I work with Starbucks. I'm a barista. Oh, really? Now, yeah, that's amazing because I just read an I article have online. That under amazing, but no, 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 no. Listen, I just read an ar an article online that Starbucks actually has a secret menu that like. You can get different drinks if you know, like, the lingo, the Starbucks lingo. Like, you can add, like, two pumps instead of one pump, and it makes it, like, a different uh, drink. Two pump shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the vanilla bean frappuccino. See, and I love the vanilla bean frappuccino. You have, like, no. uh, cotton candy or bubblegum, whatever. I forgot what they oh, call really? it. That's amazing. Because we don't get after it that often. But I know, all you I know. do is add raspberry to it. It's really good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Because I know there's another one that's, like, um... You can take like the the the, the uh, cookies, cookies whatever the galore. No, I'm sorry, oh, it's cookies the, cr oh, the cookies and cream. And cream yeah, thing. and that sounds amazing to me because like, man, I'm a I'm a sucker for all those sugary Starbucks drinks. They're so good. I like Snapple. Oh that's, yeah, that's my shit. Wasn't there an issue with the Starbucks logo? Like, didn't they have to change it because it like it was like a mermaid. Like fucking something yeah, or something. They did change the logo, but it's some. It's still a mermaid. A mermaid yeah, is a mermaid by whatever name. Right. Ever. A female. Yeah. That's what I usually call them. I like, it's I called hate. the Sirene. Lighthouse is rule. They call it the Sirene. And seashells. Nah. <laughs> you sound like Peter Griffin. <laughs> 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 I don't sound that much like Peter Griffin. <laughs> 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 Uh, Patty, wow. you a drinker at all? Uh, I 
I'm sorry, what was that? Are you a drinker at all? You drink? No, I don't. Um, I don't drink at all. I'm very health conscious. Uh, I want to look to my triple digits. Oh, I'm wow. doing everything I can <laughs> to get Good there. Good for you. <laughs> Now, I know, like, um, on the internet, too, like, this whole, like, uh, you said you're very health, co- health conscious. This whole CrossFit thing is, like, everybody's talking about how they do CrossFit or how they do, like, Zumba. Are you, um, are you, do you do any of those, like, health craze things, like the P90X or the Zumba? P90X, man. You rock like, a 12-pack? I eat my vegetables and I eat sensibly. I just go. don't eat a lot of sugar, you know. That's I, good. That's I good. just well, take care of myself because I have good only for one you. body. Yeah, and I yeah. got to keep with me for the rest of my life, you know. I, I, I hear you. Me, me personally, um, I'm definitely a fat guy. Like I love all the sugary, like pizzas and yeah, donuts. Pizzas oh and shit, man, yeah. I, I don't think I I'd ever have the self-discipline to be like a health nut because, like, if you put like mac and cheese in front of me or a pizza. I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? well, like, macaroni and cheese is carbohydrates and calcium. It's you know, it's good for you within reason. Well, that's you great know, to hear I like because to I eat a shit ton of on my pasta. It's really good. As a matter of fact, anybody who's listening right now, I, I just have to throw this out there because while I think of it, and it's a little off topic, I'm sorry, but my daughter, my I have a nine year old daughter who I love more than anything in the world. She's great. I think she's a genius because the other day. I was making macaroni and cheese for me and my daughter. And my daughter turns and she says, Dad, can we put pepperoni in our macaroni and cheese? And I said, Hannah, that is the smartest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I have to tell everyone out there, if you've never experienced pepperoni and macaroni and cheese, you have to do it. My favorite topping on pizza is broccoli rubs. And broccoli it. rub, my, disgusting. my grandfather. Yeah. No, my, my, no, my grandfather no, dude, used to love broccoli rub. Really? My son, was, he grew my, that in his garden. But yeah. you, you have to get the garlic. <laughs> so in fucking it. Good. it has to be garlic. My son Ewan loves to dip uh, chicken nuggets in the mac and cheese sauce. That oh easy. man, that's what's um, great too. What's yeah. broccoli yeah. rub? Is that like broccoli a, rub is very closely related to broccoli. Like, it's like the leaves. It's not oh. the head of the broccoli, like oh, the like the flowery part, but it's the leaves. So so broccoli rub is just not broccoli. That's Somebody stole. <laughs> wow! wow. wow. <laughs> I'm picking up what you put down. That was corny. <laughs> that was that was, that was so corny that it was great. Slim. <laughs> Who's there? Chicken. I gotta say, your um, your accent is exactly like my uh, my grandmother and my aunt's accent. They have like is the that same. Is that why you have a boner right now? No, no. <laughs> 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 No, but uh, you're from that, that That's that, funny, you're funny That whole region <laughs> Fuck you guys <laughs> uh, <laughs> Patty uh, I, I, Thank you so much for just bearing through all this Because we're all feeling a little silly right now And this interview is like not really serious So you've been a great guest She's just hanging out Yeah, absolutely She's cool. just That's all that. we're just cool. So <laughs> making new friends Making new friends <laughs> So, Patty, I got a little bit of a personal question. Uh, my co-host, Rob, because, again, like I said, I just started listening to uh, ONA, so I haven't heard you on there too much. But my co-host, Rob, here has been a fan since the uh, NEW N- days. days, and he mentioned that you're a, a virgin. Is that true? Like, Yeah, <laughs> nothing really? wrong with that. But at 50? <laughs> I'm very happy with myself. Now, are you like, are you, are you one of these chicks that's holding out till marriage? Do you want to find like the absolute perfect guy, 
or is it just something that just you never really thought about? Well, you know what? The opportunity never came up. You know, I've gone out on dates in the past, and I have friends, you know, but, you know, never really developed anything beyond just friendship, you know? No, nobody's ever and, tried to uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, as long as you're okay with it, I don't see a problem with that. And you know what? I think I almost feel like that's a commendable thing, like... You know what? Good for you. If you feel like you've never found the right guy and you've never had the the the, the perfect moment, good for you for not giving it up. I I I I. You know what? We're all a bunch of pigs anyway, us guys. Filthy fucking pigs. I have to agree with you there, man. Men men are just overrated. Like. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. I got her two or three at a time. And my name is Slim McGillicuddy. <laughs> Do you Sli- at least like Slim Bagini Sizzle Pat, Patty, do you at least you know you pleasure yourself like you, you know dildo or anything? No, no, you know I'm a little no, old listen. for that. You know, <laughs> I just read a good book and I feel very happy. Uh, have you have you have you have you, have you read the fi- have you read the Fifty Shades of Grey? Conservative, I don't know. Patty, have you, you know. have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? What? Have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? That like sex book that everybody's been talking about forever since it came out. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, I've never read the book. I've heard about it, but right. I never read it. Was it. Was uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Because <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I myself have actually read all. I think it's like three books in the Fifty Shades series, and they were the biggest pieces of crap I've ever, I've ever laid eyes on. They were terrible. So, all you women out there that expect like a man to like please you, like Christian Grey. And the Fifty Shades oh, yeah, of Christian. Christian Vogel. Yeah, I, I mean, I, <laughs> Hollywood Christian Vogel. Hollywood Christian Vogel can do it better than Christian Grey. That's all I'm going to say. Damn. I'm saying, like, right now, I'm going to throw it down. Pa- Patty, uh, I heard that uh, that Jim Norton made you come in a, a, a library. Is that t- true? A what was that? Can you repeat wow. the question? Oh, a library? I, I, heard, I, I heard that Jim Norton made you come with a vibrator. <laughs> Jim Norton's a good guy. <laughs> I, he's oh, a he's great. He's awesome. Wow, tonight's been fun. Patty, you're a great guest. You should be a staple on our show. I really feel like it. Like, like, <laughs> you've been Pardon, great. Our, it's, it's, our show, is Christian going to be a staple on our show? <laughs> I don't know, am I? Oh, wow. <laughs> From the guy that's never been to a barbershop. That life. was mean. <laughs> that was mean. Yeah. I am gay. So, so uh, Patty, you uh, you got like a favorite movie? Yeah, my favorite music. Well, I well I've always been a Beatles fan. John Lennon's my favorite performer of all time. I like Bob Absolutely. Dylan. John Lennon is definitely the man. He's John, definitely the see, man. See, I, I, I am not a Dylan fan, and <laughs> no, I get a lot of no. flack from people from that because I don't like Bob Dylan. No, I, I just thanks. I feel like he was kind of like Tom a, Petty. I, okay, I see, you know Tom what? Petty. He I was like. a better songwriter than he was a performer. Absolutely, well, no, I no, feel no, like he. I like Dylan. I do. I do I, like I, Dylan, I, but he I has like a Sorantos. terrible voice. <laughs> I like Sorantos. I feel like I feel like Bob Dylan 
had the talent to write some amazing songs. But when it came time to perform them, like musically, he just didn't have any talent. Like that mush mouth, like, man, man, man. No, no, he's just got a terrible voice. He's got a bad voice. That's his only problem. So does Bruce Springsteen. He's a con. No, dude, Bruce Springsteen, I don't like. At all. I don't like Bruce Springsteen. That's a good CD, but. And I'm not going to rail him as a guy. I don't know him, but I just don't like You know, I'll rail him. Two, guy guy. Two, two, two people right now, like as far as music band, from like so the 60s, I, I Van Morrison, Van Morrison is amazing. In the whole world. I'm Big sorry, Max I'm talking over everybody. Band. Wow. What about Sorrento? Wait, 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 say, say that Sorantos. again. Say that again as, as about Bruce Springsteen. Like, <laughs> we're all babbling over each other. Oh, have you heard this? This is a great song. This is Sorrento's. <laughs> this is Sorrento's jam. It's my favorite. <laughs> Why do my butthole always get so big? It gets so big. How do it fit five fingers and more? Why do it ooze out white goo? Why when I wipe Dude, we have to have Sorantos live. Like, he needs to come in studio and sing a song. It won't rape us? Yes. <laughs> you know what? It wouldn't be rape because I would be willing. Him and Craig Wiener. <laughs> you're going to take an ass raping from Craig Wiener and Sorantos? I don't know about Craig Wiener. I don't know about Craig Wiener because he definitely did sound like a wiener. But Sorantos, man, all the way. Sorantos is... Just a Sorrentos. Plus, <laughs> plus, I heard through the grapevine that that dude's like loaded, and I would love to have like a sugar daddy. Oh well, hung. Oh, this is a movie coming out. Yeah, we got a movie, Patty. We do have a movie. What? We got a movie coming out. This is the trailer. I produced it. I'm Hollywood Christian. Yeah, world that needed a hero. <laughs> Only one man stepped up. <laughs> I'll be right back, guys. Yeah, we're relaxing. Gonna uh, take a shower in a minute, and I fucking hear her out of the window. Help me! Help me! Somebody's screaming, like a female screaming, "Help me!" And then it's dog barking. I'm like, I will beat the fuck out of a dog. I will beat the fucking shit out of a dog. Even you know, if the dog bites you, you can still fucking punch it as hard as you can in the head, right. or fucking poke its eyes out. It's like I fucking kill a uh, dog. Bitten by a dog with pancreatic cancer who was given radioactive suppository. <laughs> he became Dog Pound. <laughs> Starring Rob Van Orton as himself. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Dog Pound. Coming summer 2018. <laughs> It's going to be a really good movie. It's a couple years, but... So, Patty, can you uh, can you give us, like, a plug? Because we, we love getting plugs from people. What? Can you give us, like, a plug? Can you say something about, like, the Robin Slim... Like, we're the Robin Slim Show. Can you say, like, you know, I'm Patty and I like to listen to the Robin Slim Show or something along those lines? Uh, I'm Patty and I listen to the Rob and... Uh... I forgot your name. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Slim. Uh, slim. <laughs> slim. S-L-I-M. You know, like skinny guy. Slim. Okay. <laughs> I'm Patty, and I listen to the Robin Slim Show. <laughs> nice. Not too drunk. I can't read that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> are we live? Yes. Yes, we are. Oh, 
for rent money. Well, you say it. You're the one that knows it. <laughs> what are we talking about? What did I say? What? what happened? Wow. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, is Patty still on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's still on. <laughs> oh, that's great, Patty. Thank you so much for sticking, sticking with us. There are a bunch of uh, bunch of degenerates here. In, 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 case, in case we have anybody just tuning in, too, we just nobody's got tuning in. No, nobody. We're we're crap. But um, Meow Mix just sponsored us, and every time Slim talks, we have to play the Meow Mix. Yeah, too. that was the contract. Was oh, okay. Well, I have a cat. I understand. Oh, you're you're a fan of you're a fan of cats. I have a cat. Yeah. Oh. Is it just a regular domestic short hair? Do you have like a tabby? So like a jaguar, a, a bald one? Oh, a calico. A calico. See, I'm, I'm very familiar with calicos. I actually oh, of course worked, he is. I actually the worked, soft little guy. I actually, yes. I actually worked at a, a, um, a animal shelter for, for maybe a little less Dude, than I've a never year. knew. I've known you for seven years. I never knew you worked at an animal I did, shelter. I did. I did. You just at, fuck dogs in the ass all the time? <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> That's why I no longer work at a nail shelter. <laughs> uh. No, no. I actually, um, I enjoyed the job. It was fun. I got to play with like kittens and stuff, and, like cute little fur. Oh, that's puppies. so cute. Yeah, it was fun. Are cats your favorite animal, Patty? What? I'm sorry. Oh, are cats your favorite animal? Uh, they're one of my favorite animals. Now I, yeah, I also like alpacas too. They're the cute. Alpacas and alpaca. <laughs> and alpaca is like a llama, dude. See, I know this. I, I I'm very well versed because oh, I yeah. worked at the animal shelter. I know like dog breeds Fuck and cat breeds and like like one time we had an iguana and he was really mean. And I don't like I don't like iguanas because of this guy because he was really mean. But my daughter, my daughter has a leopard gecko named Leo, and he's awesome. So Aww. if any of you guys out there are, like, not into the furry creatures, but you're into, like, the scaly creatures, leopard oh, geckos okay. are the way to go. Leopard geckos are awesome. Right. Hey, Patty, it was, uh, it was great talking with you. That was uh, awesome. Uh, we got to wrap it up, though, because we got an, uh, another person we're calling in a couple of minutes. No, we don't. Patty, thank you okay, so much well, for putting up with our antics. talking to you, too. Well, We'd this love to have you back on the great. show at some point too, if you wouldn't mind us like maybe setting something up in the future. That would be great because yeah, dude, you've been an amazing guest. Your toilet was screaming at me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. You know what happened? Yeah, I'm honored. Uh, about, about, a, about a year uh, ago, I had to connect from 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 well water to city water, and ever since then, my toilet just it makes funny noises. I think <laughs> I think it's haunted. I think I think the ghost of Sorrento is in my toilet. He just he's like what? Every time we flush the toilet, he's like, all, right. all right, Patty. Once again, uh, hey, Patty, you got you got anything to promote? <laughs> yeah, Patty. Uh, listen, fifteen seconds right now. You can say anything you want. Go ahead. Go. Uh, oh my God, I'm tongue-tied. All right, <laughs> well, that's, that's it was good. great talking to you, and I had a great time. Good. I'm glad you had fun with us. We had fun with you too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patty. We appreciate it. Have a good night, Patty. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. Have a Thank sweet night. I will. You too. Bye-bye. Sweet, sweet dreams. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Hey, what's up, guys? It's the Robin Slim Show. We're back from break. We have uh, our buddy Pete's uh, father on the phone, uh, Peter, Peter Senior. Senior. Yep. How you doing, man? All right. How are you? Good. We're pretty good. 
So Pete has been telling us like a lot of things, uh, uh, and, and I know because I've I've known you guys forever that you uh, used to be into like ghost hunting and stuff, and we were wondering if you would be willing to share any of your stories with us. Yeah, I, can, I have a little bit of time tonight. Um, my wife and I were uh, into ghost hunting for a little while, and uh, we haven't done it lately. But um, I'm trying to find uh, our uh, the audio uh, stuff that we have with the, with our. Um, with the uh, the voices, I'm trying to recover that stuff. A lot of it I've lost. Right, because your computer got like a virus at one time or something. I remember, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't your computer get like a virus at one time and you lost a lot of the stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, well, I had I had a website up and then I took it down, and um, the computer that I had everything on kind of crashed, and I have uh, yeah, it's... some discs, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'll find I'll find most of it. I guess it's a matter of finding the discs okay. from moving from place to place. Hello, Mr. Gentile. My name's Christian. I've never met you before, but uh, I've heard a little bit about you from your son here. And you seem like a very interesting guy. My question to you is this. Now, I know, obviously, you just said you're a ghost hunter. Has there ever been an experience that you have that absolutely left you terrified? Because I, I'm kind of on the edge of whether I really, like, I've never had any experiences myself but i certainly believe that after people have passed away they can come back and visit us from the beyond or heaven or whatever you want to call it but has there ever been an experience that you've had that just left you like one that sticks out in your mind like you were just terrified um as far as like ghost something goes and not really like terrified i would say <clears throat> excuse me um my wife um one time we went in and we did um, if anybody's familiar with um, Wharton State Forest and the Atsine area over there, there's a, um, there's an old uh, uh, mansion, and um, I had access to the mansion. And we went in, and it spoke all had all sorts of um, ghost stories revolving around it. And we were doing some uh, EVP work, the, um, uh, the electronic voice phenomenon and uh, recordings. And um, she heard something like buzz in her ear, almost like a almost like a voice. And when we, and it kind of disturbed her a little bit. She wouldn't, she wouldn't really want to, didn't really want to go upstairs or do anything else anymore. So we left the building and when we played back our recordings, it was a voice and it sounded, it was very um, raspy and what you would, what you would uh, perceive as maybe like a demon or something like that saying, get out. Yeah, I got yeah. that too. I actually, the last night I worked at the Rat. This is Rob. Um, <laughs> I, I was taking a piss on the side of my house <laughs> the night I got fired, and I heard a, like a little girl's voice saying, get out, get out. It was the creepiest yeah. thing. And I zipped up. <laughs> I stopped myself like mid-piss, and I, and I fucking zipped up, and that was it. I didn't hear it again. But, but no, they, they, they had this recording. It was, it, it was pretty creepy. So, I heard wow. it. Now, me personally, I know myself. And like I said, you know, I've never, I, I, I absolutely believe that like people can come back and visit, but I've never had any really like strong experiences myself. But if something like that happened to myself, I would absolutely be terrified and I would never be able to like continue on. You know what I mean? Like if I, I went saw, to a house and I heard somebody say, yeah. get out, done, done. I would never go be able to ever investigate everything. Anything I saw ever a meteorite again. last night. It was like on fire coming down. <laughs> Like, I thought it was a shooting star, and I made it wish, like, a little fucking queer. <laughs> but then I realized this is, like, coming down in our atmosphere because it's burning up. And if I fucking could have fucking found it, I would have because 
thousand. It would be magic. Tell them about that guy that you knew in a NSA that that had seen something like. Yeah, I, Pete was started telling me the story, but he didn't finish it, and I'm very curious about this. He said something about like an envelope that was from like the Paranormal Research Society or something like that. Oh no, no, like I when um I went for um it's it, it, it's just an odd thing. It's not really that scary, but um I, I went for an interview with the uh, this was years ago, probably like 1983, 84. I went to an interview at the CIA building. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna interview, interview for their security uh, force, and it's just a whole, the whole place is an odd place. But the first thing I did when I when I pull up to the gate, front gate, the security people there, and I asked them, "Is this the CIA?" And the guy says, well, "I can't tell you that." Well, okay. <laughs> but I said, "Well, I have an interview here," so he. He ID'd me and everything. He showed me where to go. I went into the CIA building. If you see, like on TV, you see that you see the classic, like American Eagle on the uh, right, right on the floor and stuff. Yeah, I went in there. I went into the um, waiting area. They, the woman told him sit down. And as I'm sitting there, a delivery guy comes in, puts a package down. He says, he says, this is for the paranormal unit. And the woman says, there's no such thing. Just put it over here. And she puts it, he puts it down, he signs this thing and he leaves, and this guy comes out a door, out of a door, picks it up, goes back inside the door and closes it. That's the end of this, end of that. So there's not a, no such things there that don't exist. Right, right. But, now, so I, I myself personally, I've always been kind of interested in like military history and uh, like the CIA operations as far as stuff like that. What are you doing? But, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to keep serious here, and my co-hosts are being jerks. But um, sorry, Pete. We've all been drinking, and my uh, my co-host has actually started just calling random people. So we have like three other people on the line right now. Wow. But uh, now, like like I said, I myself, I've always kind of believed that like after somebody passes away or passes on, they yes. can come back and yes. they. Yes. they they could come back and visit us, but I've never had a, a really strong. Um, I've never had like a really strong presence or anything presence. like that that, le that led me to believe that that was true. I've Have you probed. ever been like uh, ever had any evidence that maybe maybe sometime that you were kind of left wondering like wow um, maybe somebody in your family or something like that that just led you to believe that like maybe there is a better place that we go to after we pass away or so anything like that. Well, you know, I, I, the only thing that, that that leads me to believe that something's going on, and I mean, it, it, it hold on a second. It's like you know, it's just evidence of that. There's something. If you can convince me, uh, give me a scientific explanation for it. That's fine. I'll believe you. But most people can't. But just with the voices that we've captured, I mean, we've gone to um, the New Gretna Cemetery and we captured voices of people arguing with each other. I mean, clearly arguing with each other. I wow. um, I captured a voice of a guy saying I died in the snow. Oh, um, man. I mean, wow! So well, you, you, you got to explain these things to me. If that's not the, the afterlife, then I don't. You know what is it? Right, right. Yeah. Now, also too, like if you if you listen to modern science too and, and things like that too, they've kind of proven that like the the human body contains energy. <clears throat> Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, they've said they said that the, the human mind can power lights and, and, and things like that. Uh, and they've proven it through scientific. And also they've proven that matter 
can neither be created nor destroyed. So obviously, if you pass away, that's the energy that's present in every human body has to go somewhere. So I tend to yeah. agree with that. It, like, but but where does it go? I fart a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, without going into a whole other uh, uh, tangent of of uh, the, the nature of the universe and everything, I mean, everything is a wave form, and it, it only it only comes together when you perceive it. I know that, right, that doesn't make right. sense, that, but you have to, <laughs> it takes a lot to go into that. And so you're a waveform, um, everything around you is a waveform, and it doesn't exist until you look at it and see it. Right, you kind of have to be open to it and, ex and accept it in order to actually yeah. perceive it. Yeah, so yeah. there's a whole other level of exist existence out there that we're actually in, but we don't realize it. Pete, your dad's really cool. One of the things that I've been hearing recently, and I've, I, I, don't, I don't have too many people in my life who have died, so I can't say that I have that much of experience with this, but I've heard a lot of people saying that like, when somebody dies, you can tell that that person is not there anymore. Like It's like they just become an empty shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. It's it just it goes into a different waveform, and there's nothing there's nothing occupying that space with that energy anymore. Right. My my actually, I've I've had a little bit of experience with this. My mother actually passed away when I was 18. I was very close with my mother. We had a you know like a really strong, friendly relationship. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of believed that after, you know, since that I'm not, I'm not the religious type. I don't really subscribe to any religion. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an atheist, but I don't really believe in any sort of organized re religion. But um, I, I guess you, until you really experience like a loss or something like that, and you kind of feel that energy that's not there anymore... Like you were saying, right. you, you kind of have to experience it and believe it to accept it. And until that happens to you, I, f I feel like it's kind of easy to be maybe like skeptical or like, oh, well, you know, I don't necessarily believe this or that until it happens to you. And then it kind of opens your eyes up to the possibilities like maybe there is a better place that we go after we die. Or maybe, you know, maybe you can feel the presence of somebody who's physically not there anymore you are, you're breaking up i can hardly hear oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry about that but I, I was saying you know until it actually happens to you maybe you really yeah. can't feel the physical presence of somebody as much as like the wow you know like maybe this person's in a better place and and they're happy and they're coming in to check up on whatever it is yeah right right, right. well I, I mean i i think that you you, you hit on something there where until it actually happens to you until uh, I think it does happen to a lot of people, but they just deny it or they just don't want to see it. Right, right. And you know, but if you oh. if you can't avoid seeing it, then totally there's something. There. No, you say. Was it? No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm. Son's being a jerk off. <laughs> he needs a. No. <laughs> a, hold on, on a second. Hang up on. Yeah, we're having a uh, phone <laughs> issues. Yeah, we love you, Steven. <laughs> hold on a hey, second. What's up, guys? We're hanging up on you. Sorry, Pete. We're just uh, hold on. <laughs> like Wait, who who is that? No, Steven, I... what? Dude, he's trying to call Ginger. 
Oh no, 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 because like because he keeps moving around and making and weird noises. And it's hard. And he sounds delicious. <laughs> no. uh, have you ever been probed, Pete's dad? Pete, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Because I'm drunk, bro. Yeah, he's... Pete, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do this again sometime with you when we're all sober. Usually in the yeah. beginning of you our show, we I'm haven't drank like, much, I, but this is myself, the end I'm of the night. Be, I, I really am interested in this stuff, and I'm trying to be serious. Yeah, me too. But my co-host is making things a little difficult. I heard <laughs> the best way to fucking ward off ghosts is to masturbate furiously. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> oh man, your dad's gonna be like, All right. "What did you get me into?" It, it's, <laughs> no, is there is there anything? Is there anything like you want to like wrap up with, like the uh, the interview with? Or, wow, this is like, are you talking to us or are you talking to your oh, father? everybody? Oh. Um, yeah. Well, Pete, we're definitely gonna call you again someday when yeah. uh, when we're sober I, in the beginning of our show. I'd like to apologize. Yeah, for I got better stories for you, Brendan. You know, I got uh, some. I got a couple scary stories for you. When yeah. You're, he, next, next time. Yeah. That's what, what you can do, though, you know, what I do real quick. You can tell us the uh, Pete has always told me the story of you meeting uh, Keith Richards when you used to be a park ranger. Yeah. Oh, if you can wrap us up with awesome. that, that would be great, that's and then we'll wrap cool. it up. Yeah. You know, why don't we? Why don't we take that for next time then? Okay. All right. right. All fine. right. We'll save that fine. for next time. Do you got anything you want to promote? Yeah, we usually like to give our guests like maybe like twenty seconds at the end of the interview. Just whatever you want to say. If there's anything you want to say, Any, anything, anything you, you want to promote. promote you know, any, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I wasn't. I don't know what I, what I need to say. Uh, um, you know. I don't, I don't have anything prepared to say, so... Okay. Uh -huh. All right, man. Well, we'll, we'll definitely... Uh, thanks thanks for uh, letting us call you and talk Dang to you. It's, it's, you. Been, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm sorry we were kind of silly, but maybe next time we'll be <laughs> right. a little better. All right. Yeah, well, All right. Uh, next time we'll have some, I'll have some uh, better stories for you. And again, Pete, you. your, dad, your dad seems He's like a really cool awesome, dude. Uh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like that's stuff. really drunk. <laughs> yeah, Rob's just really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the problem we're having right now is Rob not only is drunk, but he's the guy that controls all the sound effects. <laughs> yeah. he, he has all the sound effects under his control and the phone calls. Who's so. calling us? Who's calling us? Is there anybody else calling us right now? No, Shady the Gravy was. Uh, Shady? Who's Shady Well, you can gravy? put Shady online. Boy. We're gonna We're going to let you go, Pete, all right? Uh, all right. All right. all right, all right, guys. Uh, we're gonna be signing off. This is the Just Robinson show. Uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on YouTube, Robinson. Show, uh, show us your stream, tits, uh, Danny Bull. Show us your tits, Danny Bull. Titties. Shining off. Show us your tits.